What's going on guys? It's your boy Scrubby here back again with another video. Hope you guys are having a great day. I know I am. And welcome back to day 9 of the 12 days of Scrub. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Goodness gracious, time flies when you're having fun. I hope you guys are all having a fantastic holiday season. Drinking lots of eggnog, whatever makes your heart content. Today I've got a uh, bunch of stories for y'all about terrible customers that make you want to rip your own hair out. Should be a pretty good video, so if you're excited for it, be sure to press the like button or no joke, no scam, you'll have a bad Christmas. And uh, yeah, thank you all so much for watching. I appreciate all the support from the year. You guys are the goats. And let's sit back, relax, and enjoy another day of the 12 days of scrubs see you guys tomorrow uh, I guess their aunt owns an ice cream store and they got a pretty good gig being the manager of the ice cream store for her so you know they're also in charge of a lot of the hiring and whatnot since they're the most trusted employee and this is the story of the time they interviewed someone that was just an absolute entitled monster which uh, you know I'm not gonna lie seems pretty entertaining so I figured that's what we're gonna be doing today so without further ado let's go all right so as I said the person that sent this to me was you know in day-to-day day terms basically in charge of this ice cream store. The aunt was the official owner, but they were in charge of hiring. They were in charge of day-to-day -day operations. And, uh, you know, it's not like hiring for this ice cream store was some, like, insane, super complicated thing. For the most part, as long as the people applying for the job had a pulse, wouldn't steal, and could scoop ice cream, they were pretty solid employees. And so, you know, it wasn't like it was really a super hard thing to be in charge of hiring. On top of it, they were in a good location. They had a lot of customers that would tip well so it was a pretty popular job and so you know for the most part finding people to work there wasn't difficult but as I said this is the story time of the worst interview they've ever had to do which was with a particularly spoiled person that I'm gonna call Hank for the rest of this video uh, I guess Hank had applied online you know and they were looking for new employees so the manager had hit him up and scheduled an interview for like a Wednesday right sure enough the Wednesday comes the manager's sitting there and Hank just doesn't show up which should have been a red flag, you know, you should have at that moment realized that hiring Hank was not going to be the best idea, but Hank was super apologetic, called the manager and was like, look, I totally forgot, that one's on me. And the manager, being a nice guy who, like, believes in second chances, said, look, you know, if it's a genuine accident, I'll give you one more chance to interview, but if you miss this next one, then, like, you just can't work here, right? So he ends up rescheduling Hank's meeting and, you know, he assumes that he's going to show up, but from the rip, right off rip, it was kind of shown that Hank wasn't going to take 
this too seriously. And listen, I'm not saying that working at an ice cream shop is like, you know, needs to be taken as seriously as NASA, but I feel like showing up for the interview is a pretty important part of getting a job. Anyways, the day of the second interview comes and he's sitting there waiting in the front of the store for Hank to show up and he pulls up five minutes late, which once again is not the greatest thing ever, but you know, he's like, oh, I I'm so sorry I got lost. And the manager once again is like, well, you're here anyways. We might as well do the interview. So they go into the back office to do the interview and Hank's first statement is just another giant red flag and he goes, aren't you a little bit too old to be working here to the manager? Which listen, man, I don't think there's anything wrong with like being in charge of a store, okay? I don't think you can really be too old for that. And on top of that, even if you do think that, if that's your personal opinion, which I, I don't agree with, it's probably not the best thing to say to the person that's in charge of hiring you, right? Like let's say you go to a GameStop and a 75 year old man is in charge. Sure, he's probably a little bit old to be in charge of the PlayStation 5, you know, but how do you one, know that he's not an expert, and two, even if he's not, he is in charge of hiring, so you probably shouldn't insult him to his face when he's hiring you, you know? And obviously the manager's a little bit insulted by that question, but he doesn't really like stop and let Hank know it and let him know that it throws him off. So he just goes, well, I'm the manager, my aunt owns it, you know? And so I'm kind of in charge of running it day to day. I wouldn't necessarily consider that I'm too old to be managing it, but aren't you a little bit too old to be applying here? Just kind of zings him back and listen, of course that's a little bit petty, but at the same time, what, is he supposed to just sit here and be insulted by Hank? And Hank kind of starts going off about how like, yeah, he probably is a little old to be working here, you know, but he doesn't really need this job. He just got told by his mom and dad that they weren't going to pay for his apartment in college anymore unless he got a job. And then he proceeds to tell the manager that he doesn't really do quote unquote work. So he just hopes that, you know, he can work one shift a week so his mom and dad will pay for anything, but they shouldn't expect him to really do that much. And once again, the manager is literally sitting there stupefied because like this guy had blown off one interview, begged for another one, and in the first three sentences, he had said the manager was too old to work here, then said he didn't really want or need this job, he just needed it because mommy and daddy were cutting him off unless he got a job. Which, like, why would you say that during a job interview, bro? Listen, I guess it's not really your fault if your mom and dad got a lot of money and offer to pay for your college. Like, you're not gonna say no, obviously. If your options are they'll pay for it or you take out loans, you're gonna let them pay for it. At least offer to help pay back. Like, I'm not gonna blame him for having parents, right? That being said, I feel like you should be self-aware enough to realize that you shouldn't be telling people to the job you're applying for that you don't really care about this job at all because mommy and daddy are gonna take care of everything. Because that's not necessarily something the hiring manager wants to hear, bro. Oh, I, I don't need this. You probably should be a little bit more self-aware of the fact that people don't necessarily love people that have a trust fund waiting for them. You know, it is what it is. It is your life, but it's not something you should go around screaming at the top of your lungs mid-job interview. Mom! My mom and dad are loaded and I don't do poor peasant work like you guys. It's just not the best look. Anyways, like I said, the manager is literally stupefied. They don't even know how to begin replying to that. You know, obviously when they had started looking for somebody to hire, in their mind, they had wanted somebody that was willing to do quote unquote work, which is just how Hank described it. You know, like obviously this manager isn't going to hire somebody that doesn't really do work because that's the entire point of hiring somebody in the first place. You you know, I don't really know what Hank expected the manager to just be like, oh, that's awesome, dude. I don't really do work either. We can just go play Super Smash Bros in the back while everyone else does everything. And so he kind of tells Hank right away just so they don't waste any more time on this interview. He says, listen, dude, I appreciate you applying. I appreciate you coming in for the second interview, but I just really don't think that this is going to work. You know, you were late for this interview. You missed the first 
one, you're telling me now that you just don't really do work. So I'm just not seeing any world in which this really works out if I hire you. Which sure is brutal, but at the same time, it's honest. And at least this way, when Hank goes to apply to another job, he knows to like not necessarily mention that he's allergic to doing any labor. And all in all, considering how rude Hank was been, he didn't have to be that nice, but it was a pretty nice way to let him down, dude. And even if the manager had been a jerk and been like, Hank, you're the most pathetic excuse for a person I'd ever seen. I don't really know what Hank was expected. Obviously, you're not going to get hired if you're admitting that you don't want to work and you don't actually want the job. Like, I, I just, you know, am not understanding the negotiation tactic that Hank was going for here. This is useless to me. Well, man, you kind of uh, let go of all your negotiating power there. But you would have thought that Hank, you know, just got slapped in the face because the look on his face is just pure shock that he would dare to say that it wasn't going to work out if he hired him. Because he starts asking the manager, like, well, what do you mean it won't work? And the manager kind of repeats himself. He's like, look, you're late. You don't do work. You don't even want the job. And Hank starts to argue with him. He's like, yeah, I told you I didn't want the job and I don't really plan on doing a lot of work, but I need it so my parents will keep paying for my college. Which, you know, I'm sure is your problem, Hank. No one's denying that that sucks. But uh, this dude's not gonna hire you when you're still not even like, oh no, I will work. I'm so sorry. You're just doubling down on the fact you're not gonna work. This guy's not gonna hire you. And even then, dude, what? Did you really think someone was gonna hire you for four hours a week and then like you were gonna do nothing so mom and dad keep paying for your college? I'm sure when they said go get a job, they meant one that you do work at, not just find a place that will like let you work two hours a week so we keep paying for college. And you know, they are arguing back and forth for a little bit and they just keep kind of going back and forth with Hank repeating like, I need this job or my parents won't pay for my college. And the manager is like slowly running out of patience, doing his best to do the whole, you know, letting the guy down easy thing. And he's like, well, I'm so sorry that, you know, this is maybe will affect your college or you're going to have to get another job, but I need people that are willing to do work. So it's just not going to work considering you're literally telling me you don't want to do anything. And he stands up and says like, you know, the interview was great. It was nice to meet you, but I think it's just best you go now because we're not going to be going forward with hiring you. And at that point, Hank literally sitting in this chair folds his arms like a little kid throwing a temper tantrum and says that he's not going to leave until, you know, he has a job. And the manager once again is like, look, dude, I'm not hiring you. You need to leave. And then he does arguably like the dumbest thing he could do in this situation and says, well, if you don't hire me, then I bet you're really going to regret it because my dad's a really important guy. So you might want to just think long and hard about the fact that you're about to let me walk out that door. Listen, dude, no one cares who your dad is. I'm sorry. And the manager confirms that to him. He's like, I don't really care who your dad is. I just don't want you to work here with this attitude. And at that point, Hank stands up and he's like, aren't you going to ask who my dad is? Do you know who my dad is? And the manager, you know, just looks at him like, uh, no, you know, I'm not going to ask that because I don't care. And so he says, no, and I don't care, now leave. And at that point, Hank gets up and he starts walking out. And the entire time, he's like, big mistake, dude, big mistake. When you find out who my dad is, you're going to be pissed that you didn't hire me. You don't even know how big of a mistake you're having right now. Like, this is a mistake you're going to look back on and wish that you never made. And listen, man, even if your dad is like the president of the Ice Cream Association, if you tell the boss that you're never going to do any work and then hiring you is basically just so you can get paid by 
by your parents. It doesn't really matter who your parents are. They're just not gonna hire you. But of course, as they're walking out, he's just making comments about how, you know, you're really gonna regret not hiring me because my dad could have been a great friend of the business. And the manager, as they get to the door, looks at him and goes, well, you know, I guess I'll deal with that then. And finally, Hank leaves. And so he thinks that's the end of it. He starts telling his co-workers about how crazy the interaction was. He calls his aunt just to let her know, just in case someone calls and complains, you know? And his aunt is like, my goodness, people these days, you know, I don't know anyone whose dad is important enough to act that way in an interview, which is what I really don't understand, bro. Like, even if your dad is some huge businessman in the area, wouldn't you want to be on your best behavior in a job interview so that way everyone's like, wow, his son's so professional. Like, why, if your dad is loaded, would that mean that you're allowed to just start dunking on everyone and screaming at the manager and not work? If anything, that's more pressure to understand business even better, you know? Like, I think this attitude, no matter who your parents are, is ridiculous. But yeah, dude, I'm sorry. I don't really care who your dad is. If you're just thinking that you're above doing work, I got bad news for you. Anyways, a few hours later, the manager is still there serving ice cream to the good people, and this guy in a suit comes in on his Bluetooth, and he doesn't even get off his call in the Bluetooth when he comes in. He's still having a conversation with someone on the other end, and he's looking around, and the manager had a different hat than, like, the normal workers, right? And so he realizes that this guy must be in charge of something, and instead of being like, hey, are you the manager? Can I talk to you? Still on his Bluetooth, he mutes it for a second and goes, hey, you, and starts snapping at the manager. Which, listen, I think snapping at a worker to get their attention might be, like, the rudest thing you could do, bro. When I worked at the grocery store and people would snap at me, it would take everything in my power not to just be like, alright, dude, you can load your water bottles in your car yourself. But anyways, this guy in the suit starts snapping at the manager and is like, hey, can I talk to you? And sure enough, he walks over and the guy finally, like, it has his Bluetooth muted, he can still hear the phone call on the other side. And he starts talking to the manager about how, like, my son came in here for an interview earlier and I heard that you were very disrespectful to him. You know, my son's name is Hank. And the manager tells the dad, I was not disrespectful to your son, you know, I rescheduled his interview after he missed the first one, he was late to this one and he's not getting the job because his attitude during the interview was atrocious. You know, he's not trying to sugarcoat it, especially if you're actually gonna send your dad into the store to start complaining to the guy who interviewed you. You can't be surprised when the guy who interviewed you starts being like, nah, bro, your son sucks. But the dad apparently didn't care whether or not Hank had behaved appropriately, okay? That didn't matter. No, no, no. He's Mr. Important, so his son just needed to get hired anyways. Because he starts yelling at the manager like, why not? Do you have any idea how educated my son is his business. You've made a, a big mistake by not hiring him. A huge mistake. I can't believe you didn't hire him. Give me one good reason why he's not hired. And at this point, this manager is pissed off, right? Hank and his dad have now been causing disruptions in the store all day. He's not gonna hire Hank. It doesn't matter, bro. You could basically tell him he would get paid more to have Hank there. At this point, it's personal. So he looks at the dad and he goes, do you really want to know why I can't hire your son? And the dad folds his arm and goes, yeah, I'd love to hear this explanation. And he looks at the dad and he goes, because he acts like you. And the dad is just, <gasps> what? You know, can't believe that he said that. I'll have you know that I'm very important in this state, so I wouldn't cross me. If my son acts like me, that's even more of a reason to hire him. And the manager's like, no, he just acts insanely entitled and like he's better than everyone, and I'm not gonna deal with that as a manager. He acts like you, so that's why he's not getting a job. And he repeats it again. He's like, do you have any idea how important I am in this state? Do you know how big of an enemy you're making? And the manager 
manager is like, listen, dude, well, I've never heard of you, you know? And even if you are the most important person in the state, I'm not hiring Hank. I'm not gonna do it. And at that point, after pulling out the whole, I'm really important, you better do what I say card and just getting ignored, the guy is just kind of standing there stunned. And he says quieter this time, not yelling. He's like, well, you're really gonna regret this. This is a big mistake. I'm gonna call the owner of the store. And the manager at this point is just having none of it. He goes, all right, go ahead, bro. Call the owner of the store, my aunt, and complain about how I didn't want to hire your kid who couldn't show up to a job interview on time. And at that point, the guy gets really quiet, right? And he just storms out of the store. The last thing he says before he leaves is like, you guys are going to regret it, but with way less enthusiasm than the first, you guys are going to regret it, you know? Like, even he's not really sure if they're going to regret it at this point. I just don't really understand the dad's end game here. Like, even if you are the most important person in the state, right? If you are the most important person in the state, why are you spending your time arguing with, like, random people at an ice cream store about whether or not they should hire your son? If you're really running a whole state, bro, you should have a little bit more to do than be worrying about whether or not your son got hired at ice cream store. Like, that just really should not be on your priority list if you in charge of an entire state of people. And, uh, apparently the guy really wasn't that important because, sure enough, the ice cream store never got swatted by, like, the FBI of the state, never got shut down by Mr. Ice Cream himself. So, uh, you know, I guess at the end of the day, Hank and his dad were not as important as they claimed to be. And even better on the manager for not hiring him, because working with someone like that would have absolutely sucked. Could you imagine the amount of customer complaints Hank would get whenever someone asked him to do anything? Because it involves a spoiled kid getting absolutely dumpstered by his mom, this story time was sent in to me by somebody who works in a restaurant, and this insanely entitled kid and his friends came in and were acting like morons, not realizing that their mom was around. And uh, I guess mom was not down with the antics and ended up embarrassing them in front of absolutely everybody. But it sounded like something you guys would enjoy, so I figured I'd make it into a video. So without further ado, let's go. Alright, so like I said, this person was working in a restaurant, and it was a nicer restaurant, but on this particular day, it was like the middle of a weekday, so it was super slow. There wasn't a lot of people in the restaurant, and you know, a group of dudes walked in that were older, like 18, 19, 20-ish. Five of them came in and like immediately started giving off super douchey vibes. But because it was super dead, you know, they were kind of like, well, we'll sit them and make a little bit of money, because otherwise we're probably not going to have customers for a long time. But they were immediately giving off douche vibes because one of the first things they did once they walked into the restaurant was like toss a metal credit card at the host stand and then start tapping on it to get their attention. The host was kind of like, hey, how are they? You know, trying to make some small talk, ask them if, you know, they wanted to eat here, how many were in their table. But the guy like completely blew off the questions the host was asking and was like, well, my credit card is metal, so I'm going to assume my day is going better than yours. And then like looked at his friends and laughed, which, you know, as far as first impressions go is way up there in terms of like pretty douchey the person trying to sit you at this restaurant how's your day you i have a metal credit card like oh okay man that doesn't really answer my question but whatever floats your boat so immediately off rip these guys are just kind of acting entitled but because the restaurant is so dead they're like just gonna deal with it so they get sat in this uh waiter section who sent this in to me and at that exact moment the waiter was just kind of busy doing something their boss had asked him to do and they was gonna finish up in about 10 seconds so they just decided to finish what they were doing and go over there well in the 10 seconds it took them to finish their task and start heading over there i guess they had gotten annoyed and when they saw him walking over the guy in charge of the table you know with mr metal credit card started literally like snapping his fingers to get the waiter to come faster which is just really annoying bro don't snap at people the guy literally took 10 seconds to finish what he was doing he's walking over there's no reason to be like uh, come faster please mr sir get over here 
That's just demeaning, dude. Don't snap at me. Anyways, obviously it pisses him off, but he goes over there and is trying to, like, be nice about it. And before he can even open his mouth, he smiles and they cut him off. And the lead guy who had snapped his fingers, thrown the metal credit card, the whole shebang so far, opens up with, All right, man, I'm gonna talk slow enough for you to understand, okay? We need the most expensive champagne you have here. And he, like, had this metal credit card and he taps it on the table, right? And now this guy's straight up annoyed because he had walked over trying to be nice. They started snapping at him. Now they're like, we're gonna talk slow enough for you to understand, demanding that he grab the most expensive stuff. So he's not gonna try to, like, make small talk anymore. But if they want the most expensive bottle of champagne, it's kind of his job. So he says he's gonna need to see some ID. And the kid, like, smiles and goes, oh, ID, here you go, and hands him the credit card. And the waiter looks down and is like looking at this metal credit card that this kid has given him, which is apparently his ID, and he's like, this is not an ID. And the kid's response is to like scoff a little bit and go, yeah, but do you have any idea how much money I could charge to that credit card? And the waiter is like, uh, yeah, I bet you a lot, you know, it's very heavy, it's cool, but it doesn't really matter because I still can't sell you alcohol without an ID. It doesn't matter how much money you can charge to your card. And the kid's response is like, well, if you don't want to make money, that's on you, bro. And the waiter's like, it has nothing to do with me not wanting to make money, man. I just don't want to break the law and get in trouble or be fired. And he's like, well, whatever, man. It's fine. I get it. Just do us a favor then and get us five steaks. They better all be medium rare, okay? And like, you know, the waiter's like, all right, bro. Okay, let's go from most expensive bottle of champagne to five steaks, whatever floats your boat, Mr. Metal Credit Card. And he writes it down, you know, and takes the order to the kitchen to drop it off. And he goes to take them water after that. And he drops off their water. And he's like, can I get you guys anything else to drink? And the douchey kid looks at him and goes, excuse me, dude. Do you see that we're in the middle of a conversation? Can you just leave us alone, please? And once again, the waiter is like flabbergasted at how rude these kids are being, right? Just insanely entitled. Just no reason to be acting like this. And so he walks away and his manager walks up to him and is like, bro, what is the issue with these dudes? And he's like, I'm Honestly, I don't know, but I've never had more entitled customers before. Like, they're just telling me to leave them alone, snapping at me. They're not letting me talk. It's it's annoying. So the manager's like, all right, we'll just let them be till their food comes out. And like, you know, you won't have to deal with them for very longer. We probably shouldn't have sat them, but it's too late now. And so he waits a little bit. Obviously, the steaks eventually get ready. And so he takes it over and they're like laughing as he's bringing the food over. And the spoiled kid is like, dude, you're actually a moron, man. We never told you that we wanted five steaks. And the waiter is, like, confused if they're trying to mess with him, if they realize they didn't have enough money to pay for it. Like, he didn't really understand what they were doing, because they definitely had ordered it. And so he's like, well, you guys ordered it, so I don't really understand. And the kid's like, no, we didn't order it, dude. Can you even prove it? And the waiter is super confused, but is like, yeah, I can. And pulls out his little notepad and shows them where he had written it down, you know? And they're like, okay, fine, we ordered it. We were just trying to mess with you, bro. And he's like, oh, okay, that was really funny. You know? Know, just like super deadpan, obviously not amused by it because it's just not a very funny joke. I just don't really understand the joke there to just very obviously order something and then try to like convince them you didn't order it. Wow, bro, that's sick. No way. How'd you do that? I just said something and then just pretended that I didn't say it when you brought me what I asked for. Like, I know I just don't understand how it's a joke. But they follow up pretending that they didn't order the steaks by being like, well, they're cooked wrong anyways. Keep in mind, they haven't even had the food placed in front of them or taken a bite yet. They just know by looking at it that it's cooked wrong. And he's like, are you guys serious? And they kind of snap about how, yes, they're serious. This is supposed to be a nice restaurant. Who is he to be questioning them? They needed it to get fixed. And he's like, all right, guys, I'll go fix it for you, you know? And he smiles a little bit and he's just trying to kill him with kindness and he tells 
tells him he's going to get fixed, and he walks back into the kitchen, and just to decide to see if they're just being jerks for no reason, he just kind of, like, put it under this, uh, the lamps that keep food warm, stood there for two minutes, and then came back and gave them the exact same steak. Which, listen, I understand is not the most, uh, pro-waiter move, okay? Probably not the most uh, MLG waiter move. That being said, bro, if people were treating you like this and, like, demanding that you go fix their food when they haven't even tried it yet, ah, I probably would be petty enough to do the same thing. I'm not saying I'm above this. But of course, he was just kind of testing to see if they were just trying to cause problems to cause problems. So he goes and gives them the exact same steak. Exact same steak? Oh, that's a tongue twister. Same steak. Sorry, my goodness. And wow, wouldn't you know it, somehow magically, it's much better. And he's like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, you guys are just being jerks, it is what it is. Anyways, at that point, he goes away and is just gonna let them eat and was just gonna leave them alone and not deal with it. But he uh, is just looking around the restaurant and he sees what appears to be a very angry woman walking up to the host stand. And uh, they had had a shift change, so now it's a hostess at the host stand. And she's talking to the hostess and looks super pissed off. You know, like, really, really mad, red in the face, like, spit flying out the mouth and the waiter is just like wow I don't know what this lady's angry about but we're about to have a Karen encounter at the exact same time that these spoiled kids are here this is crazy but the hostess turns around and she doesn't look scared at all so he's kind of confused and then he sees the hostess point at the table which all these kids are at and he sees the Karen like starting to stomp over looking very angry and she gets over to the table and starts yelling so you took my credit card to impress your friends huh and all of a sudden everyone at that table just turns as white as a ghost bro like their souls are literally leaving their body in that moment you know the imposter has been revealed among us oh that was a corny joke I'm sorry for making you guys listen to that anyways but the mom keeps yelling at them like why do you always do this oh and you got everyone's steaks how nice and she's reaming into him about how you know it's not okay for him to take the credit card and buy expensive stuff to impress people without her permission and at this point she is causing a scene it's pretty dead there's not a lot of people in there but still it's not a good look for the restaurant to have this screaming going on so the manager goes over and asks what's happening and the mom is like well it looks like my son stole my credit card and decided to leave and get his friend's lunch hoping that I wouldn't notice and the manager is obviously on the mom's side because how could you not be you know like I, I feel like taking your mom credit card to buy all your friends food already not a good move going to like a steakhouse to do it ah come on bro like 100% on the mom's side it's just wrong to take anyone's money to pay for stuff it's not yours it's especially wrong to take your mom's credit card and buy everybody's steaks dude and the manager tells the mom which probably he shouldn't have but he did want her to know that like oh he also had tried to buy a $300 bottle of champagne but he didn't have an ID and at that point this entire group just looks insanely embarrassed they're all turning red and the spoiled kid is like mom stop and the mom pops off and is like don't you dare tell me to stop you need my credit card now I'd be careful about talking back you have $400 worth of food here and apparently tried to buy a $300 bottle of champagne why would you do that you're not even 21 like you knew they were gonna ID you and at that point one of the other kids in the friend group is like listen I'll pay for it I'll pay for it because obviously everyone else is embarrassed I'm not sure if they knew this dude had taken his mom's credit card or not I don't know if they thought that like it was his credit card but obviously they're getting yelled at in the middle of this restaurant everyone's staring so one of his friends is like listen I'll pay like I'll pay it's okay I'll pay and the mom's like oh at least one of your friends has a job maybe you should think about getting one of those too if you had a job you know you wouldn't need to steal my credit card and at that point everybody's just like cringing watching this situation go down and the manager decides to tell them like okay guys like come on please don't yell in the restaurant you know you guys have to go and she's like all right that's fair that's fair I'm sorry I didn't mean to make a scene and he's like it's okay but like, I'm gonna have to ask you guys to
place to go now. And the friend that had offered to pay handed the manager the credit card, so they paid. They didn't leave any tip, which, hey, bro, I feel like after you cause a scene like that, that's the least you could do is leave a tip. But, you know, as long as they were leaving the restaurant, nobody really cared. And so everybody leaves, and all of his friends are gone insanely fast. They all get in their cars and leave. So it's just the mom and the kid outside now kind of talking on their way to the car a little bit. And everybody in the restaurant at that point is still watching them, like, through the window, right? And the staff starts laughing because it's just like, oh, man, imagine how embarrassing, bro. Not only did you take your mom's credit card, but she catches you and yells at you in front of everyone. One of your friends has to pay. It's just a funny situation. So the staff is, like, laughing, right? Well, they're in front of the restaurant, and the son turns around and looks through the window and sees everyone staring and the staff laughing, and he yells something. And then his mom looks back, and she sees everybody staring and laughing, and so she waves and smiles, and the son starts, like, running to the car, so she turns and starts to follow him to the car. And so, obviously, it's a big scene. Everybody gets back to normal, gets all the other customers taken care of, but then everyone's, like, in the back of the restaurant talking, and everyone's just making fun of the situation, obviously. You know, it's, like, normal for people in this restaurant to come in acting like the own they place, or acting like they own the place, sorry. You know, oh, I'm so important, look at me, I'm blah 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 blah, I'm a lawyer, I'm da-da-da-da-da. Usually, you know, people do that on a daily basis. That being said, it's usually their credit card that they're trying to flex with. It doesn't matter either way, whether it's yours or your mom's still cringe. But at least they didn't steal their mom's credit card. This dude had really come in acting like he owns the place, bossing everyone around. And then his mom had to come in and destroy his ego because he had took in her credit card, bro. Double embarrassing. You know, he had already taken a large enough L, but somehow, ladies and gentlemen, the L just gets larger. Because, you know, remember, his mom had called him out for not having a job. Along with not having a job, he had taken his mom's credit card. So to solve a uh, two birds and one stone type of problem, his mom decided she would teach him a lesson by making him go in the next day and show up at the restaurant with his resume to solve the problem of job and embarrassing him so that way he learned to stop stealing her credit card, dude. The subscriber who sent this in to me wasn't there, but the manager was, and uh, he took his resume at the front and was like, oh, well, why do you want a job? And the guy apparently wouldn't look him in the eye, sure douche a lot. He, like, would not look him in the eye, right? He literally was avoiding eye contact, and he's like, his mom was making him get a job because he needed to learn the value of money, and she had also said that he had to apply here, otherwise she was gonna make him move out. And at that point, the manager literally starts laughing at him because it's just, like, so cringe, right? He wasn't trying to make him feel bad, but the entire situation was just so absurd. Like, it is a good lesson, you know, but obviously they weren't gonna hire him after that one. I don't think stealing your mom's credit card is the best first impression for a boss, dude. What did you expect him to say? Go ahead and hop on the cash register. You're clearly not afraid of stealing from your mom. There's no way you'd steal from us. Like, I just don't think any manager is gonna hire you after that. Good luck. It is good that he's getting a job. I just don't know if that place is gonna be the place to hire him. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a second chance, but you know, that's like a bank robber just going back and, and getting a job at the bank. Only on a much smaller scale. He's not a bank robber. Now that would be a crazy story time. There's like a bank robber robbing a bank and his mom comes in and is like, you knock this off. That's my gun you're using to rob this bank. Anyways, obviously, you know, he uh, went ahead and left after that once he was getting laughed at, which was not a bad idea to be honest. I probably would have done the same. But the manager ends up telling the person who sent this in to me on the next shift what went down and just how awkward it was. And uh, everybody to this day still laughs about it at that restaurant and like if anybody is kind of being embarrassing or entitled they call him metal credit card kid just because that story is just uh you know a pretty good way of describing how entitled some people be getting sometimes overall i would say if you have a metal credit card good for you you got the bands but uh it doesn't mean you can just like do whatever you want bro even if it's 
yours. Even if it's yours, man, you still can't do whatever you want. But you especially can't do what you want if it's your mom's credit card. Yo, what's up, guys? Yeah, this is my mom's sick credit card. Isn't it pretty dope? Like, oh, man, flexing mom's credit card is pretty cringe. I will say, though, shout out to the mom for at least doing something about it. Making him go in and apply for a job there the next day is pretty genius. And hopefully, dude learned his lesson. I feel like that level of embarrassment, he had to have learned something from it. Scriber, who works at a fast food place, it's a pretty popular one. But it's one of those ones that is franchised out, so like each store has a different owner. And, you know, he didn't necessarily say that the job was glamorous. It wasn't something he was hyped to get up and go to. But it was a job that like paid you and the guy needed a job, so he ended up working there. And everybody else who worked there was in a pretty similar situation where they were like, yeah, the job kind of sucks, but we need to work. And because of that, there wasn't a lot of whining going on whenever this dude was working. You know, everybody who had a job at the store just did their job and shut up and went home at the end of their shift, and it made it not that bad to work there, right? But one day, he comes into work and sees that they had hired a new kid named Daniel. And the area that this particular store was in was in, like, a, a nice area with a lot of rich families. And everyone knew instantly, as soon as Daniel was hired, that he came from one of the rich families in the area because, you know, he managed to tell everyone day one. It's like that, dude, you know? You know how you can tell if someone has rich parents? Because they'll make sure to mention it in the first 45 seconds. Literally on the first day, he was just kind of casually dropping into every conversation with someone. Yeah, my dad makes like one $10 million a year, which I love to him. That sounds like a normal sentence, but like, you know, in my mind, there's a huge difference between making one and $10 million a year. Like if someone's making $10 million a year, bro, they're like doing whatever they want, man. They're probably just like buying their neighbor's house if they get a noise complaint. $1 million a year is a crap ton of money. Don't get it twisted, but you're not like taking private jets on vacation. That's a ginormous range. Oh, my dad makes one to 10 million. Oh yeah, you know, my dad makes one to $1 billion in that range somewhere. Regardless, the entire day, he's just kind of obnoxiously flexing the fact that like, oh, my dad has money. My dad has a lot of money. And when he's not flexing the fact that his dad had a lot of money, he was just complaining about literally everything. And not a normal amount, you know? Like, obviously, I'm somebody that, uh, I'm a complainer, I can't lie. But there's a line where you just, like, are over-complaining and just annoying everyone around you. Like, everything was the absolute end of the world. It wasn't just him being like, man, it's hot back here in this kitchen. No, it would be like, hey, Daniel, can you go take out the trash? And he would be gagging, saying, I'm gonna puke the entire time he was taking the trash out. Which, listen, maybe you don't like trash, but believe it or not, if you work at a fast food place, part of the job is taking out the trash every now and then. He would come back in from taking out the trash, like, almost in tears, complaining about how that was one of the hardest things he's ever had to do. And listen, you know, like I said, trash is gross. It's not known for being super fun. But at the end of the day, you know, you need to just kind of do your job and get over it. And obviously, by the end of the day, all of his co-workers were getting annoyed. They'd been flexed on. He'd just been complaining, turning everything into some big dramatic issue. And at the end of the day, he was told to clean the grill. It had obviously gotten dirty through the day, and so the manager cleaned one side and showed him how to do it, and then was like, all right, you want, you need to do the other. Which, listen, I'm sure cleaning the grill isn't fun, but the manager just showed you how to do it, and it's one of those things you probably just need to know how to do. But Daniel just kind of stands there, staring at the manager, almost confused with what he was just told to do. Like, you could just tell that uh, all the numbers were in the calculator, but it just really wasn't computing. And so the manager is still standing
standing there with him and asks him to clean the other grill. And still, yet again, he just kind of stares back at him. So at this point, the manager has asked him twice, and Daniel literally hasn't said a word back to him. He's just sitting there staring at him like he's trying to compute what language the manager just said it in. And so, you know, Daniel looks and finally decides to say something and goes, I don't really want to clean the grill. It's pretty gross, and it feels a little bit beneath me. And the manager is kind of taken aback by what he just said, like, can't believe he would say that. And he goes, well, you have to understand that it's a part of the job, and uh, you kind of just have to learn how to do it. And Daniel is like, oh, fine, I guess I'll do it. But trust me, I'm not going to be happy about it. And the manager's like, I can live with that. So he starts to clean the grill, and he takes three times as long as, like, somebody normally would, right? It is his first time, so it would take a little bit longer. But the reason it took him three times as long to clean the grill was mainly because he was just complaining the entire time, talking loudly about how it was so unfair that he had to clean it, it was so gross, it's not safe to have anyone cleaning this. Like, just all that type of stuff. Just stuff that makes no sense. Like, oh, it's unsafe for anyone to clean a grill? Well, my goodness, then how does every restaurant that has a grill manage to stay open? Wow, is is everyone just putting their lives on the line every day? I'm sure cleaning Cleaning a grill isn't fun. I'm sure it's not glamorous. That being said, to just be whining the entire time about how it's so unfair. Like, what are you talking about? I'm sure when you applied for the job, they were like, you're gonna have to take trash out and clean grills. And one of the other co-workers there was starting to get really annoyed. And, you know, finally decided to say something to Daniel along the lines of like, look, dude, everybody here has to clean the grill. It is what it is. Just shut up and do it. And basically, the way that it worked is there was a rotating schedule to clean the grill, so you didn't have to to do it every day and you know literally everyone there was eventually on the schedule to clean the grill and they didn't complain and make it take three times as long so he was just pointing out like look this isn't exclusively your job we know it kind of sucks but everybody just has to know how to do it but Daniel got mad at the co-worker for pointing this out and started saying that it was different for him to do it versus the other co-workers because he didn't like the work and the co-worker that had been arguing with him a little bit is taken aback by what Daniel says and was like bro do you think we love this job? You think we like this work? Nobody likes it, but we're getting paid to do it, so just do it. And Daniel couldn't believe that that co-worker had said it to him. You know, it was almost like in his mind, he thought everybody really loved their job here. And, you know, even if you hate your job, I understand complaining, I understand making fun of it, but just like whining to whine and being like, oh, this is so beneath me when everybody else also does the work is also kind of talking crap about your co-workers. Obviously, though, you know, the co-worker is... Is, is not gonna back down on this. So Daniel tries again to be like, well, I don't really like it. You guys kind of like it. And the coworker doubles down and goes, no man, trust me, no one loves doing it, but it's just something we gotta do. And thankfully, Daniel kind of realized at that point that he wasn't going to win the argument. There was nothing he could really say to make himself look fantastic in response to that. So he just finished cleaning the grill and then clocked out and went home. And basically, everybody, the co-worker who argued with him included, just kind of forgot about the situation. Because it wasn't really a situation, you know? Like, it just truthfully wasn't that big of a deal. But uh, I guess in Daniel's mind, it was the equivalent of World War Three because he went home and decided to report the altercation into management, but of course took the liberty to like embellish it quite a bit, say that the co-worker had threatened to beat him up for complaining. 
And, you know, obviously that's just a crappy move because if you're going to report an altercation, there better be an altercation, and there just really wasn't one. All that the guy had done was said that you should stop whining because everybody has to do what you're whining about, and it's just a part of the job. I don't really consider that an altercation. It's just like, you know, a small little, I guess, verbal confrontation, but even confrontation sounds like too big of a word for what it was. Anyways, Daniel kind of told the manager everyone had attacked him, and obviously Daniel had been attacked at all. He was just being crazy dramatic for some reason, trying to get everyone in trouble. But the manager has to, like, you know, go through the corporate policy for if somebody reports feeling uncomfortable. So he ends up calling a meeting to address inner team bullying and says that everyone has to come in. And, you know, on any given day, not everyone who's employed at the store has to come in. So a lot of people who weren't scheduled to come in that day are annoyed. The people that were coming in later that day are annoyed. Everyone's annoyed because it's just a pain to call a huge inner team meeting and they're especially annoyed because nobody really had issues with each other so they're like what bullying is going on like why didn't someone talk to us before reporting it to the management because nobody had any clue what it was at this point right and the meeting itself immediately starts not on the good foot because the manager just starts lecturing everyone about how like we can't threaten to push people around you know you can't threaten to slam a co-worker's hand onto the grill it's not funny and everyone like sitting around and someone literally asked the manager if he's kidding because none of that had ever happened like everyone's asking the manager what he's talking about and the manager says that he had been informed about the situation of co-workers bullying Daniel and everybody still is like the new kid who's worked you know two shifts like who's bullying him what are you talking about there hasn't been any issues and at that point Daniel feels the need to pipe up and get involved for some reason and he says that everyone kept threatening him on the first day and he's not gonna work under those conditions and he won't have it at all and everybody is just like dude what are you talking about and at that point the co-worker who had kind of argued with him goes is this really about the us and our argument we had and Daniel was like yeah and the co-worker is like man I wasn't bullying you I just told you to stop complaining so much about something that everybody that works here has to do because we all just have to do it and it's annoying to listen to you complaining and Daniel belches out you know well that's basically the same thing. Which, I mean, it's just really not, okay? Because what really happened was, hey man, please stop complaining. And you went to the manager and said that people were threatening to push you into the grill and fight you and everyone attacked you all day. It's just really not the same thing, bro. Like, someone saying they don't like you complaining is not them attacking you. And at that point, everybody at the meeting starts to defend the co-worker because it's obvious that Daniel is just exaggerating this entire situation, turning it into something that it's not. And the manager is starting to look confused now because he thought that this was a bullying situation. You know, he thought everyone was making fun and hazing the new kid. And so he starts asking everyone who was on the shift to tell him what happened. And the subscriber who witnessed the entire altercation gives him his summary and confirms the fact that, you know, Daniel was not threatened by any. Anyone. No one was going to throw him on the grill. They have no clue what he's talking about. And at this point, the manager is really looking pissed off. And he asks Daniel, like, why did you claim that you were threatened? You know, why would you do that if they never threatened you? And his explanation was that he apparently doesn't do the poor people work like cleaning stuff. And he thought that if he complained and got someone fired, he wouldn't have to do it anymore because the manager would feel bad. That's obviously like one pretty psycho and two, like just an insane amount amount of hoops to jump through just quit the job like clearly you're not really vibing with anything that you got to do here man 
and especially to just make them call an all-staff meeting, make it into this big thing just because you don't want to clean a grill. Like, what? And even, let's pretend for a second that it did work. Like, let's just pretend the manager blindly believes Daniel and fires his co-worker. Does he just think that that's magically going to prevent him from doing any of the work? Like, what? The manager's going to be like, hey, can you take the trash out? And you're going to be like, oh, I got someone fired. And he's going to go, oh, yeah, never mind. You just stand there. Like, I, I even think if you get someone fired, they're going to expect you to, like, step up the production because there's one less person on staff. Obviously, he's never had a job before. That's just not how it works. And the manager is just kind of standing there at a loss for words at this point, pissed off, and says that the meeting is over and, like, everyone can go home. And because not everyone was even already supposed to be at work, a lot of people leave fast as possible. You know, they're like, I'm out of here. I don't want to be at work for any longer than I have to. But the co-worker, who had been accused by Daniel of, like, bullying him and threatening to push him into a grill, walks over to Daniel and is like, dude, what is your problem? Why are you trying to get me fired? And Daniel is like, no, I wasn't trying to get you fired. I just don't want to accept being bullied at work. And the co-worker is like, I just don't really understand how it's bullying to ask you to do your job without whining. And Daniel doubles down on the whole I don't do poor people work argument by being like, well, you know, like I said, I don't do poor people work, so you can't pressure me to do it. And the co-worker's just like, I don't understand why you're calling it poor people work when it's just the job description. I just don't understand Daniel's thought process either to call it poor people work when it's a job that you have. I don't really think poor people work is a thing, right? Like a job is a job at the end of the day. I think if you're shaming someone who's working and making money, it's kind of cringe in general because like at least they're working, right? But if you really, let's just roll with Daniel's logic for a second. If you really think about it, if cleaning and cooking is a poor person job, right? Like let's pretend that Daniel's right. If cooking and cleaning is a poor person job and you don't want to do it, why did you get a job at a restaurant, dude? Like I feel like cooking and cleaning is literally the only things that you know you're going to be doing at a restaurant 100%. Like if you really are some, oh, uh -huh, I'm above all the work. You picked a terrible job to be above the work. And I don't agree with Daniel. I don't really think poor people work is a thing. I think a job is a job. But the guy's just an idiot if he really does think this way. I'm just saying, man, like if someone told me how they really hate driving, driving is the worst part of their day, their commute literally makes them want to die, and then got a job as a taxi driver, I would be like, oh, you don't have a lot of common sense. Anyways, at that point, the manager comes up to them too and joins the conversation and is kind of like, what do you mean by saying that you don't do poor people work and then listing every job that's here like what do you mean by that and Daniel explains that he doesn't really want to have to do bottom level work and he feels like he's above it and the manager looks at him and tells him that like well you applied for the bottom position here so you should expect that type of work and Daniel starts to argue back and forth with the manager and says something along the lines of like well then if you give me bottom level work I'm not going to try to do it very well so be prepared for the quality of work to drop if that's what you want. You know, just kind of threatening to do a bad job. And the manager is sitting there stupefied because you would think at this point Daniel would be apologetic, be like, look, I'm so sorry for making this meeting happen. I'm so sorry for pretending that everyone wanted to shove me onto the grill. But no, he's just saying like, I'm going to do a bad job. And on top of that, I'm going to be annoying. Like what? This guy has proven that he's just kind of willing to make stuff up to get people in trouble. And on top of that, he's not going to do any work. This is just a terrible employee. Let's keep it a buck fifty. And so the manager does something that he should have done a long time ago and looks at Daniel and just tells him, like, you're fired, dude. This isn't going to work. And Daniel's face when those words slip out of the manager's lip is pure shock. Like, he didn't think that was possible. He didn't think that was going to happen. And he tells the manager, well, you can't just fire me. Like, what are you firing me for? 
just because I don't want to do the work? And the manager looks at him and is like, yeah, basically, because duh, what do you think is going to happen when you A, are causing a lot of problems, B, not doing your work, and then when the manager's like, do your, do your work, you tell him, like, no, I'm just not going to do it, and you have to deal with that? Well, yeah, he's probably going to fire you at that point, and who can really blame him? Like, honestly, what did you expect him to do in that situation? Oh, yeah, you know what? Forget it, Daniel. We'll just give you the manager role instead, since you just don't want to do any of the work that people uh, usually do at this job. Obviously, you're going to get fired for that type of behavior. And at that point, Daniel starts trying to argue with the manager to, like, keep his job or maybe his dignity, who knows, and he's like, well, you don't have a good reason to fire me. I don't understand why you want me gone. And so the manager starts laying it out for him, right? He's like, look, you made up that your coworkers were bullying you. You don't want to do any of the work. You think you're above the work, and you literally call the job that we do poor people work. It's just not going to work out, man. You clearly have no respect for anyone that works here. You clearly don't want to do the job, so you're fired. And I think those are enough reasons, you know, like I think that's more than enough. And I especially think Daniel doesn't understand that if you're saying you're above all the work and saying that everyone here is like stupid, your coworkers are going to hate you and it's probably better that you get fired just because it's going to make the rest of your coworkers pissed off. Imagine having to work with the dude that you knew just thought that you were an absolute moron. Like that sounds awful. And now Daniel realizes there's no escape. He's 100% getting fired. And at that point, he's like, okay, if the anger approach didn't work, I'll try sadness. So he starts crying and he's like, please, I need this job. Don't fire me. And the manager is confused once again at how fast everything's changed. And he's like, well, if you really needed this job, you should have done the work, but you didn't do the work and you're a nuisance. So no, like it's over. You simply can't come back here. Like you are fired. The situation isn't going to work. I'm sorry. No matter what in this situation, no one's going to like working with this dude again. Like, let's just keep it a buck fifty. Remember when I, uh, you know, caused all those problems said I was above all of you and you guys sucked. Well, we're working together for the next nine hours, so let's get used to each other. Like, yeah, it's probably just easier for the company if they just let you go. And once Daniel realizes that sadness isn't going to work, right, it's replaced with anger once again. You know, he's he's just flipping between them, Jekyll and hiding it out there. And he's like, fine, forget this. I don't need this job anyways. I'm too good for it. You know, I was just lying about needing it to see if I could keep the job and how dumb you were. I'm a above all of this. And the manager is not getting baited. Obviously, Daniel is just trying to get the manager pissed off just to make him mad. I, I don't know, like just trying to bait him into it. And he's not falling for it. And he's like, well, man, if you're really above this job and it's stupid and you don't need it, then good for you. Seriously, good for you because you're fired anyways. And at that point, Daniel starts yelling something about how like they're going to regret firing one day. It's going to be the biggest mistake they've ever made. And as he's storming out of the restaurant, he like flips over a few more chairs just to add to the dramatics of it. Like, listen, dude, if you're really going to be flipping chairs and being dramatic and screaming that they'll regret it one day after you get fired, you're definitely not getting rehired. I mean, listen, there was no way Daniel was keeping his job either way, but I think going full Karen mode on the way out is probably not a good way to leave a, a lasting impression. Well, it will leave a lasting impression, just not one you want, you know? You don't want people to see you on the street and be like, oh, that's the unhinged dude that was uh, throwing chairs in the lobby of a fast food restaurant after he said he didn't want the job, so they fired him. But regardless, he just kind of storms out, flips some chairs, and the crew gets it fixed up pretty quick because it's just not hard to reflip over chairs. He didn't break anything. But as they're cleaning it up, the staff is kind of walking up to the manager and thanking him for firing Daniel, which, man, you really have to suck for that to happen. Like, 99% of the time anywhere that I've worked, the manager is, like, the de facto evil
evil villain. Even if they're a good manager, it's just something for all the workers to be like, oh, he didn't give me the day off. He sucks. So if all of your workers are coming up to you and thanking you for firing someone, then that person has to be like the equivalent of torture to work with. Because usually everyone's just complaining about the manager. Like Daniel must have been basically the equivalent of getting waterboarded for eight hours straight for everyone to be thanking the manager for letting him go. Anyways, uh, I guess Daniel's future life plan is to just somehow miraculously get a job where he doesn't have to do any work at all or work himself up the levels at all. You know, like I feel like no matter what job you're th thinking of doing with your life, you have to accept the fact that when you're brand new to it, you're probably going to have to do a lot of the crappy work people don't want to do. And the better you get at it and the longer you're there, the more you kind of get to pick and choose what jobs you have. I don't I don't really understand Daniel's entire approach here because it just doesn't make sense and it's never Ever gonna happen. Best of luck with getting a magic job that you'll uh, automatically be the CEO of, big bro. Seriously, uh, good luck, Daniel. I'm wishing him luck because, you know, it's, it's impossible in the first place. It's not that he deserves the good luck. It's just like wishing somebody good luck to catch a leprechaun. You can wish him luck all day. Let's be honest. It's just not going to happen. Subscriber story that was sent in to me by one of y'all that works at a shoe store and ended up encountering one of the most entitled people of all time and uh, thankfully got to embarrass them and didn't end up losing their job over it. Either way, though, I thought it would be pretty entertaining. I thought you guys would enjoy it. So without further ado, let's go. Alright, so as I said, the person who sent this in to me works at a shoe store, and it happens to be one of the shoe stores that gets a lot of new drops. Uh, I'm not an expert on shoes, but I think basically anyone that's been on the internet long enough knows that certain shoes get super hyped up and sell out pretty quick, and there's an entire economy of people that will like buy the shoe at the price at the store, turn around and sell it for more money online, it's its own little thing, and if you can make money doing that, hey, kudos, I'm not gonna hate on you, a bag is a bag. I know a lot of people, like, hate that people can buy up the stock of the shoes, but take that up with Nike for only making 5,000 of them, you know? Anyways, something that would happen to this guy who worked at the store is whenever a new shoe would come out, all these people would come in and ask to buy, like, nine of them, but, uh, they would sell out quick and they only limited it to one pair per person. And people would get really, really mad whenever he would be like, listen, dude, I can't sell you 20 pairs of the shoe in a size you don't wear. That's not how it works. And they would get even angrier when he would be like, look, dude, you're three days late. That shoe literally sold out in like an hour. There's nothing I can do. And on one particular day, a really popular shoe had come out earlier that week, and obviously it had sold out. And for whatever reason, this guy is working his shift, and in walks this group of like 15, 16-year-old kids, and they're all following one kid who's kind of obviously the ringleader of the group and as soon as they walk into the store they start acting like they own the place the ringleader snaps his fingers at one of the workers and says come here and obviously they're not too thrilled with that it's just really rude to snap your fingers at somebody and be like get over here Timmy you got to do what I say but the kid snapped his fingers at him and the worker goes over there and even though the subscriber isn't the employee helping this kid he can overhear the conversation because the kid is just talking so loud you ever talk to somebody that only has one volume and it's just all the way up? You'll be in a library, like, trying to whisper. And then I went to do my homework and I didn't have a pencil? And you're like, wow, that's crazy, bro. I don't know why you needed to yell that. I didn't realize we were at Monster Jam and all the monster trucks were going off, so you had to uh, be louder than them. 
but he asked the worker if they have any of the shoe that had been sold out. And the subscriber knew they sold out, so he walked over there before his co-worker could, like, say he's gonna go look in the back or anything. And he told the kid, look, I'm sorry, but, you know, that shoe was very popular, so we sold out. We haven't had it for a while, but maybe you can find it online for resale, but, like, we don't have it here. And he wasn't trying to be mean. He wasn't trying to have an issue. Obviously, the kid snapping at a worker didn't make the subscriber happy. But nine times out of ten in customer service, if you just, like, smile and work with the customer, they'll be easier to work with and they'll leave sooner. Someone that's entitled like this, you start fighting with them, they're gonna just stay as long as humanly possible because they've never taken an L and they're not gonna start accepting them now. But for some reason, the kid just doesn't believe him. He goes, look, I know you have more in the back, so how about you go get one in my size? And the subscriber is kind of confused and he's like, well, we don't have any in the back, dude. I'm not hiding shoes from you. And then the spoiled kid just starts going off about how he knows that everyone that works at this store keeps most of the stock in the back and refuses to sell them unless the people that they're selling them to is their friends, which I'm sure happens with popular shoes like this. I'm not gonna say it never happens. But as far as this dude told me, that's not what was happening at this store. The guy who was in charge of this particular store did not like what they call backdooring pairs of shoes. So he was super against it and he knew for a fact that there were no more shoes in the back because he had been in the back digging through what they did have in the back the other day when more people had wanted them. So he just kind of tells the kid like, look, I don't know what you're talking about, but we're not hiding a bunch of shoes in the back. And he doubles down and is like, yeah, I know you guys are having shoes in the back or hiding them and you need to go get me my size. Otherwise, I'm going to call corporate and tell them that you're hiding shoes in the back. And the subscriber looks at him and is like, all right, bro, go ahead and tell corporate, I guess there's not shoes in the back. I highly doubt any like chain of stores is going to be housing a lot of their expensive stock off the floor and hiding it. I feel like these stores really, really like to do the whole making money thing and just sitting on a bunch of product that would make you a bunch of money doesn't seem like a very smart move. And on top of it, even if you're going to call the employee's bluff and be like, you're hiding stuff in the back, I'm going to call corporate. Once the employee looks at you and says, go ahead and call corporate, it should be pretty obvious that they don't have any in the back. Because if they did, then when you called corporate, they would get in a metric butt ton of trouble. So if they're going to double down and say, go ahead and call, I can't do anything about it. At that point, you would think this entitled kid was like, oh, they just don't have the shoes. But no, he whips out his phone, Googles their corporate office and says, I'll really call. And the subscriber at this point doesn't know if he wants him to like back down and start begging him not to call. So he just looks at him and says, bro, I do not have the shoes in the back. So if you're going to have to call then I guess you're going to have to call. And the entitled kid decides to go with one of the most annoying moves of all time and he looks at the worker and says he's gonna count to 10 and he has till the count of 10 to admit that they have a pair in the back and go get his size and listen dude I don't know if that's a move that your parents do to you all the time or what but for the most part when you're dealing with another person that doesn't know you the whole I'm gonna count to 10 thing is the least scary threat ever like what are you gonna do call the office that he told you to call after a count to 10 
I'm pretty sure that he was completely okay with that. That didn't seem like something he was afraid of. But whatever, he starts counting down and the subscriber is so annoyed with this kid trying to threaten him like a little kid that he goes, listen, you can stop your stupid countdown because here's the reality. I don't have the shoes in any size, especially not your size. And even if I did, you treating me like a child and counting down, threatening to call corporate, snapping at my coworkers is not gonna make me go Go into the back and get the insanely rare shoes that we apparently are holding in the back. You don't know how to talk to people to get what you want, and we just don't have the shoes. So don't count down, go ahead and call corporate, explain to them what happened, and when they tell you you're a moron, maybe you'll actually believe it. Which, listen, is probably not the best way to talk to a customer, but at the same time, after all of this, it's like, alright dude, go ahead and call corporate, I'm not gonna be threatened anymore. But like I said, this dude was the ringleader of like a, a group of dudes, and when he gets roasted like that, the guys just start going like, Oh, he roasted you, oh, you just got game ended, bro, you'll never recover. Which is what you do. Like, if my friend was being a jerk to a manager in the store, and then the manager flamed him back, I would probably just start laughing at my friend. And so, wanting to, like, not look bad and look like a snitch, he's like, no, fine, I won't call corporate. But, like, you're lucky I'm not in the mood to call corporate. I'd be careful talking to customers like that in the future. And all of his friends are like, dude, shut up, he roasted you. Oh my goodness, how are you gonna talk trash to him after he roasted you that bad? And he's like, yeah, whatever. He didn't even roast me that hard. Like, I, I probably would have been able to get the shoes, but he just got lucky that, you know, I don't feel like calling corporate right now. A, you definitely would have looked like a snitch to your friends if after he roasted you, you decided to still call corporate. And B, I think he realized that corporate just really wasn't going to do anything. Like, they just did not have the shoes. What is corporate going to do? Even hypothetically, let's pretend that corporate is as mad as you, bro. They are steaming. Their faces are red. They're pounding on the boardroom table. We need more of those shoes. They can't poof them into existence. They can't just snap their fingers fairly odd parent style and make it be in the back of the store. Like, you're still not getting the shoes, let's be honest. And on top of it, I feel like I'm not a ginormous shoe guy, but I know that if there's a really popular pair of shoes coming out, it's gonna sell out really quick. You can't expect to walk into a store two weeks after a really popular pair drops and expect them to have one of the most popular sizes in stock. Like, by comparison, imagine video games were made in limited quantity. Like, imagine they only made 50 thousand Call of Duties a year. If you waited two weeks to go buy the Call of Duty, there probably would be no more Call of Duty. It's not rocket science. And if you just started going like full anger mode on the GameStop employee who told you that they were out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
threatening to call corporate unless you went to the back and grabbed the hidden copies of Call of Duty that they have on deck, you'd look crazy. It's basically the same situation. Either way, now that he was all embarrassed, him and his friends decided to leave the store and go spend their money elsewhere because he didn't want to support this store. Which, uh, you know, the subscriber was perfectly okay with because it's not like the store's bottom line really affected his. And it's not like the place was going to go out of business because this kid didn't buy a pair of shoes that they didn't have. Like, if the only way he was going to spend money is if he made those shoes appear, it's not like he was going to buy anything anyways. And the store was usually really busy, so this one person deciding to not buy something that day wasn't going to bankrupt the store. And on top of it, there's only so much, like, the minimum wage store employee can do to make sure that customer loyalty is at an all-time high. There's only so much belittling I'm willing to take from a customer before I'm like, you know what? I don't really care if you ever shop at this grocery store again. But whatever, as I said, they left and all the employees thought it was hilarious and basically were like, nah, you did the right thing. I would have done the same thing. The guy who had been snapped at even was like, thank you. You know, I didn't know how to handle that situation. He was a little bit newer working at the store, but everyone thought it was funny. Because at least once a week, all these employees were having someone just scream at them for not having a shoe in stock that hasn't been in stock for weeks. Or like, yeah, like I said, accusing them of hiding a bunch of pears in the back secretly so that way they can give them to their friends. Which, I'm not gonna say that doesn't happen. Like, I'm sure that does happen. I'm sure somewhere there's some dude that works at a shoe store that hides like nine pairs of the cool stuff and waits for his friends to come in and get it. But at the same time, if you don't know that's happening for sure, it's probably crazy to start screaming at the retail worker you don't know that well. I demand you give me the secret sauce! Where is the Krabby Patty formula? Like, you're just being on plankton mode. I don't think Mr. Krabs is going to give you the secret sauce, bro. Go back to Karen, your computer wife. Is always going to lead to a bunch of good stories. The general public probably has about as many brain cells as a goldfish. That being said, I thought it would be a pretty entertaining story time for y'all today. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, grab some popcorn and let's get into it. Alright, so the person who sent this in to me works as a mechanic, and they're actually, like, they are employed there, but they're more of a training role right now. They're just kind of shadowing the more experienced mechanics, and, uh, for the most part... It's a pretty fun job, they really like cars, they get to work on cars, everyone wins, and it's not like he works for one of those shady garages where they're like constantly upcharging and trying to scam people and whatnot. His uh, business owner likes to do things like buy the book, he's fair to customers, so he likes working there. And one day, his boss comes up to him and he goes, Hey, you've been shadowing people long enough. We would really like you to try to, like, handle stuff on your own today. So I'm going to put you on this particular bay. And uh, whatever comes in and gets put there, just you're going to be in charge of that project. And you can ask for help or whatever. But today is the first day you're not shadowing. And obviously, this makes the subscriber excited. Because, like, imagine you've been riding a bike with training wheels for 30 years. And finally, they take him off. You'd probably be pretty excited about those training wheels being removed, too. And the first couple cars that he works on are uh, pretty simple, just like an oil change, tire realignment, that type of stuff. The customers are pretty normal. It's not like they want to challenge him to a boxing match like Jake Paul because he changed their oil. I don't like the way that you changed my oil, so we're fighting now. Like, that's just not going on. 
Anyways, at about 1 p.m., his boss comes over and says, Hey, some guy just pulled up into the parking lot. He's just kind of sitting in his car. I'm not too sure what he needs. Will you go and ask him? And uh, obviously, not wanting to say no to his boss, he's like, Yeah, sure. So he walks outside, and the first thing that he notices is that there is certainly a guy sitting in a car, if you could call it a car, because it's just not even in a state where it should even be on the road. Listen, I understand that not everybody's got the cheddar to be, like, keeping your car 100% pure new condition. I get that. I don't really care. That being said, there are certain things that you just kind of have to have on a car in order to make it function on the road. Like, you just need seatbelts. You just need headlights. Even if you're in a situation where you don't have a ton of money, there's certain things on a car that you just kind of have to have. The paint starts fading and doing that, like, peeling thing, whatever. It's really not that big of a deal, other than just looking weird. But this guy's car was on that line where it was like, oh, this just must be a safety hazard to everyone around him. The first thing he noticed is that where the headlights were supposed to be were both empty, which definitely is a little bit of a red flag. You kind of need headlights. And obviously, the person driving this car had kind of thought about that because it looked like they had attempted to do a, a fix for the lack of headlights and had taken two, like, Walmart flashlights, put them inside, and there was no way to turn them on from the car. So what he was assuming is that at night, he would turn on his flashlights to drive. And I love a good flashlight, alright? I, I really do feel like flashlights are a pretty fun gadget. Think about it, 200 years ago they had to carry a torch and now we can just turn on flashlight. That being said, I don't think they're headlights for cars. I don't know what type of flashlights he's using, but I feel like at the point where you start having flashlights in that socket that are the same power as a headlight, you might as well have just bought a headlight. I'm also flabbergasted that he had never been pulled over before. I mean, let's be honest. You're a guy cruising around looking for someone speeding and whatnot. You see a guy with no headlights with flashlights taped in the socket. I would definitely have a few questions. So that's the first thing he notices, which is definitely out there. And then he notices that the windshield, or where used to be the windshield, has been kicked out, broken, whatever it may be. And instead of just rocking the no windshield look, which definitely is not a good idea, you start going pretty fast with no windshield. Let me know how the wind feels. On top of that, imagine you're going like 65 miles per hour down the highway. You get smacked in the chest with like a large bird or something. That'd be so brutal. Anyways, I digress, but whatever. He starts looking at the windshield and he realizes that it's been kicked out and not wanting to be hit by a bird or something. Or at least pretending to not be wanting to be hit by a bird. I don't think what he did would actually stop anything coming through your windshield. He had taken like that clear plastic saran wrap, you know, the shrink wrappy type of stuff, and just started wrapping it around the posts that usually hold the windshield and uh, front windows in, because those were missing too. You don't need front windows, though, I guess. I mean, your car can't operate in the rain, but whatever. People drive with the windows down all the time. But he had just taken this, like, clear plastic wrap and started wrapping it in that space where his windshield was. And these are the first two things he notices. And one thing about this windshield that definitely threw off the subscriber, the mechanic guy, was the fact that, like, I don't know if you've ever actually tried to look through that clear saran wrap type of thing. 
But when you start doing multiple layers and stuff gets off a little bit, maybe there's a crinkle or something, it's not exactly easy to see through. So this guy really just chose to wake up and play driving on hard mode, you know? Like, alright, I'm gonna have no headlights, I'm gonna have no windshield, I'm gonna replace no windshield with something that's actually harder to see through than nothing, and somehow I'm gonna get it to the mechanic shop. And so these are the first two things that he's noticed and he's like, oh, this is going to be a lot of work. He's assuming that he needs all this stuff worked, it's worked on, fixed, it's going to take a few days. And so he walks over to the hole in the window where the window once was and he's like, hey, sir, how are you? And the guy looks up and he's all grumpy and he's like, well, how do you think I am? Which is such a weird thing to say to somebody that says, hey, how are you? Like, hey, how are you is just a nice thing to say to somebody, right? Like, hey, how are you? Can I help you with anything? How do you think I'm doing today? Uh, I don't know. Judging by the state of your car, probably pretty awful, but sorry for not leading with that. Hey, man, your car's ugly. What you need? Like, that's probably not what his boss has told him to say to new customers. But whatever, the guy's like, I just need an oil change. I know nothing else is wrong with the car, so don't try to scam me. You really don't need to do anything other than an oil change. Do you understand? Just an oil change. And the guy was a little bit older, and the subscriber had already kind of realized that older guys like this could get a little bit more intense. And he didn't really care. He just thought it was maybe from back in the day when, like, mechanics were a lot more scam artisty. Not that all of them were. Obviously, there's always been good people mechanics. But I don't know. I feel like back in the 70s, it was way easier to get away with shady stuff. So maybe he had his car have a bunch of work done to it without his permission one time. So now he's very adamant. I don't know. Whatever. And he's like, all right, all right. We'll get the oil changed for you. Is there anything else we need? And he's like, do I need to repeat myself because you're stupid? I just said I don't need anything else. And yes, he had heard that you don't need anything else, but I'm sure it's part of his job to be like, are you sure that's all you need? What if you forgot something? What if you want to get a premium oil change with extra sprinkles? I don't know. But whatever, this guy's just being a jerk, and he's like, I'm going to stay here and sit in the lobby. I don't trust anyone to work on my car when I'm not around. And the guy's like, yep, you're more than welcome to do that. And he says, oh, yeah, good. And he storms in there, and they had some free coffee and whatnot. And at that point, he starts kind of looking around the car just because he's going to have to, like, move it into the bay. He's got to see what the state of it is. And the other thing is, not only is this car unsafe, but it almost appeared like this guy didn't like trash cans, you know? He didn't like trash bags. Instead, anytime he had any trash in his house or anywhere, it looked like he just walked out to his car, tossed it in the window, and called it a day. There's literally just trash piled up everywhere. It's on the passenger seat so high up that it's right underneath the window. Keep in mind, he's not rocking windows. Maybe that's his automatic overflow valve. Like, you know how bathtubs have that little thing where if it fills up with water too much, it'll start draining? He has that, right? But it's for trash. Oh, I have too much trash in my car. Time to overflow it. And so he kind of smacks the pile of trash just to make sure that there's nothing living in it. And he doesn't hear anything moving. So he's like, well, that's pretty gross, but whatever. And he starts looking around and the back seat's also full of trash up to the windows. These back seats have windows though. So it's just gone all the way up to the roof. Dude's really got the horde mobile going on. 
Probably a cockroach infestation in the car. I know once a car has a cockroach infestation, there's really not a whole lot you can do too because they're just like, you know, capable of surviving a nuclear war. And just the amount of trash and the smell and the weirdness of the situation makes the subscriber gag a little bit, which I can't blame him, man. Imagine getting in a car and realizing you are literally basically sitting in a dump. Like, there's probably trash at the bottom of this pile that is older than the person that sent this to me. You just know for a fact that there's probably a bunch of critters and bugs crawling around in here just loving this trash situation. I could understand why you might, like, dry heave a little bit. But whatever, no one's around to see it, and so he starts just looking on how to move the car as fast as humanly possible. And he sees that there isn't really a key, there's just like a screwdriver in the thing, and so he twists the screwdriver and somehow the car turns on. And I don't know how you do that, I didn't even know that that was an option. Like, I didn't know you could customize a car to start on a screwdriver. But whatever, he's like, I don't care, I just need to move this car. And he starts trying to move the car, and the wheel is just, like, stuck. It's like it does not want to turn. And finally, he, like, yanks it, and he hears, like, a crack. Not like something broke, but, like, something sticky finally gave way, and the wheel starts turning. And so he sticks his head up and looks. And it just looks like somebody had spilt, like, a Diet Coke all over the top of the steering wheel where it connects to the car and just left it. Didn't even attempt to clean it up. So it had gotten that, like, you know when soda is left for a very long time and it gets that, that pasty type of hard look to it? That's what had happened all over the steering wheel. So this car just keeps getting grosser and grosser. And so he goes and he brings it to, like, the little bay thing, gets it up. And a bunch of the other mechanics start coming over and being like, holy crap, I've seen a lot of pieces of crap, but that one's really bad. And he's like, yeah, it's awful. And so he goes to change the oil and he changes the oil fine, but he's bringing it back down. And one of the other mechanics comes over and goes, hey, uh, I don't know if I'm seeing this right, but look. And they start looking. And you know how the roof of a car is connected to the car with, like, all those posts? There's the two posts in the front, the two posts on the side, and, like, the two posts by the rear window. Well, those all have a cut on them, and it's at that point he realizes that the roof of the car is literally bolted on. It was almost like he had decided to make a convertible one day, like cut those posts off to take off the roof, just took off the entire roof, and then went, mm, nah, I'm not a big fan of the whole convertible look, put it back on. But instead of putting it back on and welding it, which I still don't think would be 100% safe, it would be the best way to do it, he had just put it back on and then gone to Home Depot and gotten, like, those those latch type of things and then, like, welded the latch so it couldn't move and then screwed those into each side. So basically, this guy is just driving the Home Depot mobile, literally taking off the roof, putting it back on. Maybe he went with the latches so that way he could take it back off if he wanted. Imagine you're talking to somebody and they start talking about their convertible, you know, you're like, oh, you have a convertible? What type of car is it? That's really cool. And they're like, yeah, it's a 1999 Toyota Camry that I cut the roof off of. But don't worry, I have latches so that way I can put it back on if it's raining or something. But you put the top down on that, baby, get to cruising. Woo, it's nice. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, I just don't think it's very safe. Like, I feel like uh, if there's one thing that I would not want to do to my car, it's cut off the roof. 
Because you get in an accident, I don't know if those latches are going to hold. You're just going to start tumbling with no roof, and I don't think that ends very well for anyone inside the car. Anyways, he goes and gets his boss who owns it, and he's like, you got to come look at this. So he shows his boss, and his boss is like, yeah, this is really unsafe. I'm not really sure if we should uh, just let this go as is without talking to him and letting him know he can't drive it on the road because I don't want to be held liable for like having worked on it and him thinking it's okay. So just tell him that he can't drive it legally on the road and like he needs to find a way to get it home that doesn't involve driving it. Which I know is probably a big pain in the butt, but I don't know. Like, I, I mean... Obviously, if they're working on it, they just change the oil, he leaves here and gets in an accident. I don't know if they'd be held liable. I get why he would be nervous about it, though, considering why everyone's, like, so lawsuit-happy these days, I swear. People are hyped when something happens just to get that lawsuit rolling. So he goes into the lobby, and he finds the guy, and he's like, hey, can I talk to you about your car? And the guy immediately, I don't need anything but an oil change. If this is anything other than that, I don't even want to hear it. I don't care, blah, 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 blah. He's like, look, I just need to talk to you about it. Fine, what do you need to tell me? And he starts going over all of these issues about, like, how the steering wheel gets stuck. And that's not necessarily safe. He needs new brakes. He needs this. He needs that. He's got rust here. He's got rust there. And the guy says, well, I only told you to do the oil change. Why are you looking at everything else? And he tells him straight up, I'm not even trying to look at everything else. This is just the stuff that we were able to see. I haven't done an entire breakdown of everything else wrong with it. This is just what I was able to see and feel from driving it 10 feet. And so the old man starts to get defensive and be like, there's nothing wrong with my car, da-da-da-da-da, you're just making this up to try to charge me. And he's like, listen, man, you can feel like I'm making this up to charge you. You don't have to get it fixed. We're just not going to let you, like, drive it home. You need to find a way to get it back to the house or at least off our property without it being driven because it's unsafe. Well, what do you mean? You're telling me that you're not going to give me the car? They're like, no, we're going to give you the car. We just don't feel like it's safe to drive on the road. Well, who are you to tell me that? And they're like, A, we're mechanics. We're literally the expert. And B, I guess fine, you can go in it and drive away, but we're going to call the cops and let them know that there's an unsafe vehicle because we don't want to be responsible at all. And the man's getting more and more annoyed, which I kind of get it. But at the same time, bro, you have to know that this car that you brought in is just not capable of being on the road and it's unsafe. I refuse to believe that you have cut the roof off your car, like basically just screwed it back on, filled your car up with trash, got a steering wheel that sticks, haven't changed your brakes since you got the car, all of this stuff and you brought it in and you expected that to be like the only thing that they were going to say about it is an oil change? Come on. I feel like people kind of forgot that a car is a machine at the end of the day and if you don't maintain a machine, it's just not going to work. I mean, think about it. If you had to change the oil in a machine every like uh, two days otherwise it would no longer be able to make what you sell for money you would change that oil but people are willing to go like three years without an oil change in their car and then they're all pissed off when it doesn't work right yeah man it's a machine you gotta treat it the way that you want it to run either way he's getting increasingly pissed and now he's just starting to scream at the subscriber and just insult him and there's other customers around so it's causing a scene 
he starts yelling at him that he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not like the safety man of cars, so he can't tell him what to do. And who does he think he is to talk to someone older than him like that? I love when people do that. I'm older than you, okay? And, like, you're still stupid. If anything, it's just more embarrassing that you're so much older than me and you're still this dumb. Goodness, I'm not sure if that's the argument I would lead on. Like, yeah, you're right. You are 57 and still driving a car that's a death trap. It's a miracle that you made it this far, man. I'll probably live a little bit longer because I avoid doing stuff like that. That's what the subscribers should have said in response. But before he could even reply to this guy just, like, tearing into him, insulting him in front of all these customers, making a scene, his boss ends up coming out from the back office and walks over to the guy and is like, why are you insulting him? What did he do? Like, why are you tearing into him like that? Well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and I told him to only do an oil change, and now he's telling me that I need a way to get my car home because I can't drive it, and da-da-da-da-da, and he's an idiot, and he doesn't know what he's talking about, and I only told him to do an oil change. I didn't tell him to do anything else. And the boss goes, first of all, he's not an idiot. Trust me, he graduated with his, like, it's not a degree in mechanics, like, a, or is it a degree? I'm not sure. Whatever it is, I'm not a mechanic. He got his degree, so he does know what he's talking about. And on top of it, he's not lying to you about your car. Your car's a piece of crap. And even if he was just trying to do your oil change, it's such a piece of crap that it's impossible to ignore how much of a piece of a crap it is while you're doing anything else. There's literally no way around him being stupefied at the fact that someone would drive something in such crappy condition on the road. So no, I'm not gonna let you leave the shop by driving it. I have a trailer and a truck. I'm good right now. I will take it back to your house with you on it. But you are not gonna drive that. It's unsafe to drive. And the fact that you would insult my employees like that because you are too dumb to maintain your car is completely unacceptable. And the guy is just kind of standing there stupefied at that because he laid down the law. And that's the way it should be. I think the customer is always right has caveats, right? If a customer makes like a reasonable request, you know, you should always try to honor it. It makes sense to try to make them happy. But you don't need to let people just like degrade your employees, call them idiots, scream at them, make them feel like garbage for just trying to do their job. That's completely unacceptable. I also love, your car's such a piece of crap that we couldn't ignore it even if we tried. Like, bro, even if we wanted to look the other way, every direction you look in this thing is another problem. And I think the old man was just kind of taken back by someone standing up to him or something, because he kind of, like, stuttered for a bit. Uh, 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 oh, okay, yeah, yeah, if you can put it on the trailer, fine, fine. He wasn't arguing anymore, he was just like, sure, yeah, okay. Probably because when you're making a scene yelling at someone, he probably felt cool. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna yell at this guy and everyone's gonna look around and think I'm the big man in charge. Once someone starts flaming you, calling your car a piece of crap in front of everybody, it suddenly isn't so fun, is it? Oh, whoa, whoa, I don't really like this. Hold on, wait a minute, let's hit the rewind button. Either way, they went out there, took it off like the little thing that puts it in the sky. I don't know what it's called. I'm not a mechanic. If there's mechanics watching this video, they're like, ah, oh, the sky thing. Yes, that's what we call it. Okay, I'm obviously not calling it the right thing, but they take it down. They move it very slowly up onto this like little flatbed trailer thing. 
and the boss gets in his truck. The guy gets in, doesn't apologize at all for screaming at him, and the boss goes, I'll be right back. So he takes it out there and uh, drops it off. He never sees the car or the old man again, but when his boss comes back, he comes and gets him, and he's like, I think you handled that well, you know, way to not lose your cool while that guy was freaking out on you. You can stand up for yourself, though. Like, you don't have to let people treat you like that. And he's like, yeah, I know. Thank you so much. Blah, 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 blah. And he says, I'm glad you didn't go with me because if you would have seen his house, you probably would have puked. And he's like, what do you mean? Well, let's just say that the car was probably the cleanest part of everything he owns. And just the visual of a house that was somehow even in a worse state of repair and grosser than that car was just enough for him to know that he was very glad that he did not have to go there. We got a story time for y'all I think you're going to enjoy about something funny I witnessed when uh, I went out to eat last. It was a dude who definitely did not need another margarita but was pretty insistent upon getting one and uh, overall the situation just got very awkward very quickly but uh yeah without further ado let's get right into it and press the like button otherwise you're never getting another margarita in your life all right so i'm not gonna lie i uh stay inside quite a bit more than i should you know i'm not too great at the going out being social thing youtube downside that being said a couple of my friends hit me up and they were like hey we're gonna be going to this little chain restaurant for dinner with a couple friends you should swing by it's pretty fun they have like you know a deal where you can get all you can drink margaritas and obviously you know i hadn't seen them in a bit so I was like, sure, why not? It sounds like a relatively good time. So whatever, I Uber on over to the restaurant. I get there and all my friends are sitting there eating some chips, drinking margaritas. You know how it goes. So I sit down and I start talking to them and I have a margarita as well. And as I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, I'm surprised that they're willing to have like such cheap drinks because I feel like this is a recipe for people to get out of control. And you know, I'm not saying that in a way to crap on anyone's fun. It's just reality that like anytime you have the general public consuming lots of alcohol, there's a pretty solid chance someone's gonna do something stupid. You know, it's just a numbers game at that point. And we're sitting in this booth and kind of like across the restaurant is this sports bar thing. Like it wasn't like officially a sports bar, but it had a bunch of games on. It was a bar and there's a bunch of people sitting there and there's one dude that I can tell has definitely enjoyed the uh, deal on the margaritas. And I can tell he's really enjoyed it because it's a grown man with gray hair. You know, I'm not trying to be ageist at all. I'm just pointing out that he's a little bit older and he is literally in the bar stool spinning in circles as fast as he can, pushing himself like it's the teacups at Disneyland. And so I laugh a little bit. I go, oh, that guy's having a great time, right? And when I look over, like everybody looks over to look at it, we realize that apparently, even though he's having a good time, nobody else is because there's a lady being like, sir, please stop, sir, please stop. And he stops and he yells loud enough for us to be able to hear him across the restaurant. And it's not a quiet restaurant, so homie's really belting it out. He's like, why do I need to stop? spinning and the lady's like because sir we just don't understand why you're spinning you're gonna elbow somebody you're knocking drinks everywhere not to mention you know you're gonna make yourself sick you've drank a lot and he's like I've never gotten sick from spinning before which I feel like is probably because you haven't spin enough you know like even if you are one of the least motion sick people on the planet let's say that motion sickness itself sounds foreign to you you can't even fathom it chances are you get drunk enough and spin in circles for long 
strong enough, you're gonna puke. Like, I, I'm sorry, I just refuse to believe that people are not human. Like, if you drink enough margaritas and throw yourself into one of the astronaut training centrifuges, you're gonna be painting the sides of that green in a couple minutes, I have no doubt. Regardless, this guy's arguing about how apparently he never throws up from spinning, so therefore he should be allowed to do it. Conveniently brushing over the fact that he's, like, knocking people's drinks off the bar and just being obnoxious. So at that point, she's like, no, you can't spin anymore. Like, the, the manager, right? And he's like, well, I want to do what I want. I'm the one paying for this. And they're like, yeah, but you also realize that we have the right to cut you off whenever. So if you're not going to accept the fact that, you know, you can't spin, then you're done. No more margaritas and you need to go. And when they said no more margaritas, dude, you would have thought that this man just got told that, like, he was no longer allowed to visit his kids, dude. He stood up and was like, are you kidding me? What? What? This is absurd. Are you serious? Are you serious, ma'am? You're gonna cut me off from the great deal on these margaritas because I won't stop spinning in my chair? And she's like, it's not just about the chair. It's the fact that you won't calm down and you keep making a scene in the restaurant. I think it's best that you go home. Like, I think you've had a little bit too much. And listen, this is also kind of on the restaurant. I don't think this manager was the one serving. She's not the bartender. But you're kind of in charge of making sure that people don't reach this point, you know? I've never worked in a restaurant, but I do think that, like, A, it's possible he's sneaking drinks. I'm not putting it all on them. But at the same time, maybe the bartender should have realized by, like, Margarita 7 that this guy was probably gonna become a problem, you know? Especially if he if he's, like, you know, sucking those things down like Shirley Temple's just, can I have another? Can I have another? Can I have another? It's probably a good idea to cut him off. But regardless, now he's arguing about how, like, it's my rise in American to drink these margaritas. I pay for them, so I'm gonna drink them as much as I want. And she's like, no, you're gonna go. You're you're gonna go. And so she signals to like the security guy to come over, right? And when the security guy comes over, I don't know if the guy's just so out of it that he thought that like this guy was coming to take his order, but he's like, thankfully, good, good waiter around here. Give me another margarita now. And the guy's like, no, dude, I'm not here to take your drink order. We're gonna go. And he's like, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. And the guy's like, yeah, man, we're gonna go. And he's like, I'm not leaving until I get another margarita. And at that point, the person he's with, I don't know if it's his friend, you know, his wife, I, I don't know who it was, but they kind of get up and kind of start telling him to like, all right, relax, like, we're gonna go, it's gonna be okay, like, we're gonna leave, and he's like, no, I don't wanna leave, I pay for bottomless margaritas, and I haven't reached my bottom yet. And everybody at this point is just staring, watching this go down, because there's no way not to, you know, he's reached that point of margaritas where, like, all volume control has gone out the window, I don't know if that makes any sense, but you know when people just have one volume and it's insanely loud, like they're just gonna scream and go absolutely brazy. There's just no quietness. That's the point he's reached. So obviously he's just making a big scene. And so finally he's like, well, I don't wanna go. And the guard's like, listen, man, you're either gonna go with me. You have one more chance to come with me. Otherwise I'm taking you with me. Do you understand? And he's like, whoa, dude, you're getting a little aggressive. There's no need to do that. I just wanted a margarita. And he's like, listen, I know you want a margarita, but you gotta go. You can get a margarita at home, but you're you're not getting him here. And he's like, all right, man, all right, all right. So they start walking out the door, right? And the entire time he's like trying to reason with this dude as to why he should be allowed to have another margarita. Except the reasoning isn't very good. It's just kind of like, you know, the reasoning that you might use when you're a kid trying to convince your parents to let you get a puppy. Hear me out. If I have margarita and I did good with it, then you know, like I'm proving my responsibility. And the guard's like, yeah, man, I guess that would, but I don't really care about your responsibility. 
responsibility. Like, whether or not you're responsible isn't my problem. My job is to just keep the bar safe. And he's like, yeah, but don't you want to, like, give me a chance to redeem myself? And he's like, not really, no. It was just so funny seeing this, like, grown man try to argue with another grown man about, like, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta give me another chance to redeem myself after I've caused the ginormous scene and been screaming at everyone and demanding free drinks. Anyways, they finally get him outside and everybody just kind of goes back to doing their thing. I mean, obviously it was pretty entertaining, but like, I, I don't know, I'm assuming uh, a lot of people drink too many margaritas when this place has got this deal going on, because the workers seemed like it was annoying, but not something they haven't dealt with. And seriously, man, like, I understand it gets people in the restaurant, but if you gotta be dealing with that every hour, it's just not worth it. And what really cracked me up is the fact that, like, they were outside waiting for their Uber, you know? And we hear the door open in a commotion of someone being like, no, come back outside, and he's opening the door, and he's like, I'm really sorry, but can I please get Margarita to go? He was really hell-bent on it, dude. He was just like, listen, I don't care that I've been kicked out. I don't care that I've been banned forever. Probably gonna put a Polaroid of me up to make sure that I'm never allowed back in this restaurant. I'm getting a margarita to go. Which is, uh, I've realized a very Las Vegas thing, dude. Like, I, most places, I guess, you can't even, like, buy drinks on Sunday or anything or, like, a, a drink in public. Here in Las Vegas, as long as you're in, like, you know, an entertainment area like the Strip or whatever, you technically could get a margarita to go, but obviously the restaurant wasn't exactly too down with that. They were like, listen, man, we're not giving you anything. You need to get out of here or we're calling the cops. And at that point, he went outside and just waited for his Uber. But where he's waiting for the Uber, there was like a window. And I wasn't trying to be creepy. I wasn't trying to like watch and see what happened. I just couldn't help myself because the dude was like out there being as animated as one of those things in a car lot parking lot that's like trying to get your attention. Come get a used Toyota. Like the way his body was moving literally was reminding me of one of those with all the air going through it, dude. He was just so animated, clearly very upset that he did not get his other margarita. Overall, it was just a very dramatic interaction that provided me a little bit of entertainment. You know, I don't hate the dude. I don't think he's bad. I just think he probably had a few too uh, many margaritas and it's probably best that he got cut off and didn't get any more, you know? I'm sure he woke up the next morning extremely embarrassed looking back on it like, oh my gosh, did I really get kicked out of a restaurant because I was spinning in my chair too much? Yeah, I think that's enough to make anybody cringe. That being said, as long as you, you know, don't do it again, hey, everybody makes mistakes. It happens from time to time. Ain't no shame. At least it was entertaining for everybody else in the restaurant. I do feel bad for the staff that had to deal with it, though. Anyways, guys, I think that's gonna do it for the video. I know this is like, you know, up there as one of my shorter videos of the year. There's not really much to it. I just figured it would be kind of entertaining, and uh, I I've been feeling a little burnt out, so I'm gonna give myself a short video today, get a little break in. And today, I've got a story time about a Karen. I haven't done one of these in a little bit. I feel like they kind of went into hiding, like, uh, you know when the groundhog goes back into his hole, so it's like three more weeks of winter or whatever? Karen's kind of did that. They had their moment in the sun, and then they kind of went underground. But I witnessed one the other day that I just knew I had to tell you guys about who, like, freaked out on this restaurant and uh, got kicked out. So not a very good situation for the Karen. Thought you guys would enjoy it, but before we get into it, be sure to press the like button. Otherwise, no joke, no scam whatsoever. You will be cursed by the Karen God herself. And uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. So this actually takes place when I was out of town. I went to visit my aunt with my cousin, and uh, obviously, when we were visiting, we decided to go out to eat a few times because there's a bunch of restaurants there that we don't have here. And I'm not gonna give out the exact location just because like my family lives in a kind of small town, but it's in the Midwest somewhere. And I didn't really expect to see or interact with a Karen on my trip. I just felt like the town was too small. 
I felt like Karens were a big city thing. I know that might be naive of me, but I just assumed no one would have the balls to act like that if they had to see these people all the time. In a small town, if you freak out in a grocery store, you're probably gonna have to like get your teeth cleaned by someone in line or it's your therapist behind you. Whatever it may be, I just feel like there's a lot of situations in a small town where you'd bump into people again. Whereas the logic of being a Karen in a bigger town, it's still stupid, I don't support it. But eh, whatever, the odds of seeing someone again in a city with like 3 million people is very slim, and the odds of them remembering you is very slim. But we went out to eat and it just so happened to be like on a Saturday night, so as soon as we pulled up into the parking lot, we saw how busy it was and my cousin and I agreed that it was probably gonna be a little bit of a wait, but we wanted to eat there. And if you pull up into a place's parking lot, especially a restaurant, and it's packed and you don't have a reservation, just expect to wait. I feel like that's just reality. You can hate it as much as you want, but you didn't make the reservation. Like, I was irresponsible and didn't make a reservation. That's on me. It's not the restaurant fault. So we go in there, they say it's gonna be like a 25 minute wait, which, whatever, isn't as long as I've waited before, but it's long. Me and my cousin just kind of sat down and started talking to each other, and we must have timed it very well because there started to be a huge line of people that wanted a table, and very quickly the wait gets up to like 45 minutes. And the lobby's getting very crowded, so my cousin and me stand up, or my cousin and I, sorry, ooh, grammar, grammar. Anyways, my cousin and I stand up, we give our chair to some other people, like the little bench spot we were sitting on, and we're just standing there, and there's a line out the door of people even trying to put their names in now. And as there's this line of people trying to put their names in, this lady with, like, the Karen cut, the bob itself, comes strolling in, acting like she owns the place. I thought she worked there. That's how much confidence she walked by everybody in line with. I feel like whenever people have tried to cut in line, and I've seen it before, they try to at least be like 2% sneaky, a little bit Sly Cooper on them, not trying to make sure that everyone knows they're cutting in line. This lady just didn't care, bro. She walked right by everybody. If, if you would have given her the opportunity, she probably would have waved at them and said, au revoir, as she walked by, man. That's how cocky it was. And walks up to the podium and is like, I need a table for four. Doesn't say name, doesn't ask how long the wait is, just demands it right away. And the person who was next in line, who's been waiting for a while, taps her on the shoulder and says, excuse me, ma'am, but there's a line. You have to go to the back of the line. I've been waiting for a while. And she doesn't even acknowledge the guy that just tapped her on the shoulder and said, excuse me, ma'am, go to the back of the line, da 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 She just looks at the hostess and says, table for four. And the hostess looks at her confused because she almost can't believe that this lady is being this rude. It almost seems like it's fiction. So she tells her, ma'am, you can't just cut the line. There's a long list of people. And she looks at the hostess, turns around, and looks at the line. And you would think maybe, just maybe, she didn't notice. She was just in her own little world, whatever, thinking about a phone call she just had. Walked past the line, wanted to put her name in, and now she's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so dumb, I'm embarrassed, something along those lines. My hope is growing smaller and smaller by the second, but I'm hoping it's something like that. And so she looks at the hostess and the guy behind her and says, I understand that there's a line, but I don't want to wait. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to wait. If you did a survey of everybody before they came to dinner and said, would you like to sit in the restaurant and wait for a table or walk right in and be seated? No one would pick to wait. I don't think that's something people prefer, but the reality of going to a place that's busy is you might have to wait. I love that in this Karen's mind, she just thought that saying I don't want to wait was a justification to not actually have to wait. Oh, by all means, ma'am, if you don't want to wait, then we'll just let you cut everyone else in line. Why didn't you just say so sooner? And the guy that was behind her in line who had tried to be polite earlier kind of scoffs and says, none of us want to wait in line, which is what all of us were thinking. And instead of just ignoring him again, which she had done the first time, she decides that that comment is what she's going to take issue with and start arguing with him and turns around and asks why he thinks that he's allowed to be the peanut gallery on other people's lives. And the guy's just not in the mood to be taking any of this, and he starts arguing back about how the second she decided to cut everybody else who had been patiently waiting in line, she decided to make herself the target of the peanut gallery. And if she wasn't so easy to make fun of, then he wouldn't keep doing it. And I feel like this is something so constant with Karens, but when the guy stands up for himself and says you're easy to make fun of and it's your fault that people are having an issue with you and making comments because you cut them, her mouth drops wide open, flabbergasted, just, <gasps> what? I don't know why they always act surprised when people stand up to them. You would think acting like that, that it would happen more often. Maybe they're just shocked every time. Every time someone stands up to them, they think it's going to be the last time. But for some reason, Karens just act like a Disney villain that just got bested by the hero. <gasps> oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Wow, someone stood up to me? It's like, yeah, you said his wife was ugly and then keyed his minivan. Um, why did you expect him not to call the cops? But after her mouth drops open, she looks back at the hostess and just demands that he be removed because he was making her uncomfortable and she needed a table. Keep in mind, even if she got this guy kicked out, there's still the rest of the line she cut. It's not like she's next in line, and I feel like once you start an argument, you can't be mad that someone argues back with you. That didn't used to be how it works. I feel like only since COVID, I've been seeing a lot of that. Someone will start an argument and then just be mad someone argues back. It's like, well, if you don't want to argue with people, don't start an argument. It's a very simple way to avoid all confrontation. And the hostess is stammering because, you know, it's not like the hostess has to deal with this on a regular basis. At least I hope not. Uh, I'm sure when things get busy, people get crazy. But something of this magnitude, cutting in line, starting an argument, complaining, trying to get them kicked out, I don't feel like this would happen on a regular basis. I'm sure people get mad about having to wait a long time for a table when it gets busy, but as a hostess... I've never been one, I've never been a host, but I'm assuming you just kind of look at them and are like, yeah, I, I don't know what to do. You see that every table has someone sitting at it. I can't kick someone out for you guys to sit down. So they're kind of stammering, not really knowing what to do in this situation. And thankfully, a manager must have heard the commotion. It's not like they were screaming at each other, but it was a heated conversation. Loud enough where the tables that were kind of near the host stand were looking and watching. Not the entire restaurant. It wasn't to the point where it's like an awkward movie scene where you hear the silverware clink onto the tables as everyone looks up. But people were definitely starting to pay more attention. And so the manager walks up and is like, hi, what's the problem here? Very manager-esque, very professional. You'd think that would be able to defuse the situation. And the Karen demands that they be seated immediately because of how uncomfortable they've been made to feel and that the person behind them in line has been very disrespectful, so she expected a free meal. 
Uh, I feel like it's weird to expect a free meal in the first place, but it's very weird to expect a restaurant to give you a free meal because someone that doesn't work for the restaurant made you mad in line. And even then, they were just calling you out for cutting them in line. If that made you uncomfortable, uh, you shouldn't have cut them in line. I don't understand what you want them to do. That's like stealing something from someone, and when they're like, hey man, you stole this from me, what's wrong with you? You just accuse them of making you uncomfortable and then try to get them in trouble for that instead. Sure, whatever, I stole your car, but there's no reason to get mad at me for it, bro. Do you have any idea how uncomfortable it makes me when you're yelling at me about stealing your car? Just get over it, get another one. And so the manager looks at this Karen and kind of asks the other guy what's going on, and before he can answer and give his side of the story, the Karen cuts off the the manager and just says that he has no reason to ask that guy for his side of the story. Obviously, she was the person who was upset here, so her side of the story mattered. And I'm very glad Karen's not in charge of things, because imagine if the world ran that way. Like, there's a lawsuit, you're getting sued. Only the person suing you gets to say their side of the story. You don't get to defend yourself at all. Um, yes, Bill Gates actually promised me half of Microsoft, and he promised it. See, he wrote it on this napkin. He said, Give Ryan half my money. Heart, Bill Gates. It's right there, Judge. Well, Bill, it looks like you're gonna have to hand over half the Microsoft fortune. And he's like, I never did that. <laughs> Whatever, Bill, you're not allowed a counter-argument. It'd be chaos. So, obviously, the manager can't do that, and he's like, ma'am, you have to understand that I've only heard your side of the story. He seems upset as well, so the least I can do is listen to his side. And she's not having it, and now she's demanding that she be given a free meal and vouchers for another free meal because this manager is being dumb, and asked to see the manager's manager. And the manager up to this point has been incredibly patient. I'm not gonna lie, my cousin and I have been watching this, thinking about it like a Madden play-by-play. -play. You know how the announcers in Madden? Well, you see, this quarterback's been doing a lot of practice on the deep throw, Tim. We're thinking that. This manager has clearly done a lot of practice with managing Karens. The response here has been nothing short of incredible. It's easy to see why they made the Pro Bowl last season. But the demeanor changes, and it doesn't go to angry, it doesn't go to mean, it doesn't go to rude, it just goes to very stern. And they say, ma'am, you need to go to the back of the line and wait for your turn to put your name in, or I'm gonna have to ask you to leave and you will not be allowed back. And the Karen, once again, has the face of someone shocked, as if she's never been told to leave before. Which, if you act like this, I don't believe. If you act like this on a regular basis, you've definitely been kicked out of somewhere before. Or you're lying. Like, there's no way you act like a Karen all the time and it's never backfired on you. That's why it's always so surprising to me that they act surprised when it backfires. Especially in the modern era, maybe back in the 70s and the 80s when it was a little more, the customer is always right, you could have gotten away with it. But there's no way you've been acting like this for the last three, four years and haven't been called out on a monthly basis by someone or some worker for just being hard to deal with. At the threat of being banned, though, the Karen goes all, Well, you can't ban me. I come here all the time. Uh, if you come here all the time, then why would you act like this? Uh, just acting like this even at a place you've never been to is really weird. But if it's at a place where you know the workers and you have, like, a repertoire with the staff, you definitely wouldn't be acting like this and being rude to everyone. 
Because you know that, like, you know everybody here, so even if it's busy, they're going to find a spot for you, and you know that they're going to be busy because it's a day they tell you they're busy. If you really come here all the time, acting like this is even more dumb. So the manager, not taking any of it, is like, all right, in that case, then I need you to leave and please don't come back. And the Karen immediately just starts questioning, what, are you serious? And the manager doesn't back down. Yes, ma'am, please leave or I'll contact the cops. Like, you need to leave. And so she grabs her things and starts storming out. But as she's storming out, she's just screaming about how the food here is terrible. And she ate here all the time and it's been going downhill and everyone should just save their time and leave because it's awful, blah, 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 blah. I saw a comment saying I say that in every video. I don't know if I've done it yet, but in case you commented that, there you go. See, I did that for you. Anyways, uh, obviously in this situation, if you come here all the time and the food sucks, then you're even more dumb. Because you know what I would do if I went somewhere and the food sucked and I hated it? I wouldn't go back. Yeah, that's right. Wow, you actually have the ability to not eat at a restaurant you think sucks. Who would have ever thought that was possible? You don't have to do things you hate doing? Ugh, crazy. But she leaves screaming the entire way. And right after that, it worked out. A couple left and me, my cousin, and our friend got the table. So the three of us were eating and the manager walked up and apologized for it. And we were like, no, we don't care. Trust me, it was funny. And I literally made a joke about how I would find a way to like use it for my job. And I did. Yeah, that's right. I didn't lie to you, Miss Manager Lady. But she gave us free sodas, which was an absolute W. So thank you, Karen. Not only did you get me a free Pepsi, but you also gave me a video. So, so genuinely, thank you. Made the trip a little more interesting. Not that hanging out with my family was boring. It's just uh, th this entire situation was a little bow on top. And today I've got a story time from back when I was younger that I think you guys are going to really enjoy. I think I was like 16 when this went down, but that weird limbo stage where you're 16 but you can't drive yet. And I was spending that weekend at a friend's house and he happened to live out of town a ways, just where it was like kind of inconvenient to get to anything else out in the middle of nowhere. And so he had houses around him, but there wasn't a ton to do. So we were sitting there hanging out, and it was me, my friend whose house it was, and a couple of kids who lived in his neighborhood, and we didn't know what to do, and eventually we decided that we were going to go ding-dong ditching. Which is dumb, it's not actually that entertaining, we were just really bored and there was nothing else to do, so we convinced ourselves that it would be very exciting, and we go out and we ding-dong ditch a couple houses... And it's no issue, you know, you ring the doorbell, you run away, it's not a very complicated game. If you can't do it right, then uh, y you messed up something easy. And we did mess up something easy, don't worry, that's coming up. But we come up to this next house, and my friend who lives in the area is like, alright, we gotta be careful with this one, this guy's notorious for being grumpy, he has issues, he hates people being on his property, he hates people being around, this guy's kinda nuts. And if he comes out while we're still in his driveway or something, we should hide. Like, don't try to run is kind of what was said. Which is different. I didn't know if this guy was like a velociraptor from Jurassic Park where his sight is based on movement. If I just stay absolutely still, he won't notice me. But my friend gives us this warning. And the other people that were with us lived in the area, but not insanely close. And they're like, whatever, I'm not scared. We were all getting pretty cocky at that point. You know, we had done a couple houses, hadn't gotten caught. So we decide that we're going to ding dong ditch him anyways. And we run up and we ring the doorbell and we start running away. And he just so happened to have a pretty long driveway. And as we're running, it was almost like he had one light switch that synchronized this. 
all of the lights turn on. Every room, every exterior light, they all come on, and all of us start looking around like, crap, where do we hide? And there's this, like, rows of bushes on the left and the right, and the one on the right had a little half wall to it, and my friends dove into the left, but I dive into the right, like, over the bush with that little ledge. And I push myself up against this little ledge, like I'm taking cover in Call of Duty, bro. I don't know what's going on. All I know is all the lights turn on. So I'm like trying to make myself as small as possible against this bush and this half wall thing. And I hear the door open and I just hear yelling that like, this guy's had enough of people messing with his house and he's gonna find us and we messed up this time and he's gonna come get us. And I don't know this guy at all. All I know is that my friend says he's crazy, so I'm starting to freak out, and I hear him start to, like, come down the driveway. And I knew that if I, like, ran to the street, it's just nowhere to hide. It's just kind of open. So I'm pushed up against this little half-wall thing, and I literally get down and start, like, army crawling along it, and he's walking down the driveway, and I'm crawling back up the driveway, but behind this little wall thing. And so I start following this half wall. I don't really know where it goes. I don't know this half a house at all. And I start coming around and I see this deck. And the half wall goes up where like if I keep crawling along the floor, I'll come under the deck. And I still think he's out front. So I decide to crawl under this deck just to like see what's going on in the backyard, find another way to escape. I don't know where my friends are at this point. And so I hear him yelling about how, like, he's gonna go grab his flashlight and he'll be back and he's gonna find us. And I hear him go back into the house. And this time I hear his footsteps, like, dum dum dum, across the house. And he opens the door and he steps onto the deck. And now my heart is beating out of my chest because I had crawled this direction to go the opposite way of the crazy dude. And now he's like on top of me with this flashlight shining it out, not straight down the deck, but like off the deck. And I'm just really hoping that he's not going to see me and I'm trying to like control my breathing, you know. It's not that I was breathing heavy, I'm just crapping my pants, think he's going to hear me. And sure enough, he can't find us and it looks like he's starting to come down around off the deck to come around. And now that I'm under the deck, there's really nowhere to hide. Like if this guy comes around and shines his flashlight underneath, there's nowhere for me to go. And I literally start preparing myself to just get ready to sprint. Like, there's not much I'm going to be able to do. Here we go. Like, he's going to see me. And he starts walking over. And at that point, I guess one of my friends had decided that he had had enough of hiding because he takes off. And it makes noise like his footsteps going down the driveway. So before he looks over and shines the flashlight in my direction, he turns around and starts running towards the footsteps because he thinks there's a person that he's going to be able to, like, go get. And so the second he sprints out of there, like away from where I am underneath the deck, I take off and run around the opposite side of the house. So like I had crawled back up to get up the driveway as he was walking down. And now I go around to those other bushes where my friends were hiding. And I run over and all my friends are standing there. And I'm like, he's distracted. That other guy decided to run for some reason. If we're going to go, we got to go. And we all take off running. And so he had started chasing our friend down the driveway. He had gotten to the end of the driveway and gotten away. So he had turned back around, the, the angry guy. And of course, he turns around and all of us are just sprinting down the driveway trying to get out of there. And at this point, our adrenaline's pumping. And it felt like if you had ever played football before, like back at practice, one of my favorite games to play was Sharks and Minnows, you know? There's a, a shark in the middle and you have to run across and he has to tackle you. 
This didn't feel very fun, but that was the vibe. Like, all of us were gonna try to run past this guy, and he was going to try to catch us. So, we just start running even faster, picking up speed, and one of my friends is like, What do we do? And I say, Just try not to get caught. So, we run past him, and I happen to run, like, close enough to him where he reaches out to grab me, but he can't get me. And I'm like, oh no, man, he's so close to me. But I get past and I keep running. And I was one of the people at like the front of our pack. So I turn around and we had had like one friend in this group that just wasn't the fastest runner in the world. You know, it's not like this is something you prepare for. None of us actually expected to get caught, but he's kind of in a 1v1 with this guy. And he wasn't insanely athletic, so when I looked back and saw that that's who's in, like, this 1v1 situation having to juke out this guy to get away, I started to get nervous. I thought for sure that, like, okay, we're gonna get caught, we're gonna have to turn around. But our friend, who it usually has no athletic ability, dude, pulls out the cleanest, like, Madden-level juke I've ever seen. If the guy... Wouldn't have been wearing high top sneakers, ankles could have been broken, like he just jukes the guy out, and he falls so hard, like trying to dive back the other way when my friend cuts back that he falls over. It didn't look like he got injured, it just looked like somebody really juked you out and you just kind of lose your balance a little bit. So sure enough, he runs by, and we take off sprinting. And we're probably a good, like, half mile from my friend's house, but we don't stop running, we don't stop to talk, no one says anything, we get back to his house, and we finally get back in, and we think we're safe, and we're like, dude, that was insane, I can't believe we did that, oh, that's crazy, oh my gosh, whoa, that, that was so insane, did you guys see that? And we're talking about how, like, that was crazy, we're never gonna go ding-dong ditching again, like, that was too much, that was too intense. And all of a sudden, we hear his parents coming upstairs. And his parents didn't really come upstairs often whenever we were at his house, so we knew something was up. And she knocks on the door, and uh, the door opens, and she's like, Hey guys, did you guys go ding-dong ditch or anything? And we're like, no. And she's like, well, that's weird, because there's a neighbor at the door who's pissed off saying that a group of boys ding-dong ditched him, made him fall over, and then ran this direction, and he watched you guys come back to the house. And of course, all of us just go silent. No one says anything, no one, like, uh, cracks a smile. It's just probably very evident that we had been ding-dong ditching. And his mom just sighs, like, really heavily, you know, and says, All right, well, I think it's best if you guys go. And I lived far away, I didn't really know what to do, so one of the other guys who was there had a car, and I was like, Hey man, I will pay you to take me home, but like, I can't call my parents and have them come get me right now, because I was ding-dong ditching, and he says, okay. So whatever, we have to go outside to get in the car. And so we walk outside, and the old man is there with his flashlight, like, shining it at us, being like, You guys gotta go, you guys gotta go. And we're like, all right, that's fine, that's fine. So I got in uh, the dude I had met's car. I went home, everything's fine, you know. But either way, it was just a very intense experience. I thought for sure that we had actually gotten away too, because I was like, oh, he's not going to be able to follow us home. But running is only so fast if someone can just get in their car and follow. So we had no ill intentions, by the way. Like, legit, we were ding-dong ditching. We were just uh, being stupid. I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think this was smart. I don't think you should go ding-dong ditching. But either way, for like 15 seconds, I felt like I was in a spy movie trying to avoid uh, being noticed by like the enemy intelligence agency. It was pretty crazy.
I figured because Halloween's right around the corner, something like this would be a little bit more fun for y'all. I know it's shorter. I've been doing a little bit more of the short videos recently, but I've been having a ton of fun doing it. So if you did enjoy it, I would really, really appreciate you taking a second to press the like button. Other than that, as for like hanging out with this dude, we did hang out again, but he would come to my house. It was just kind of implied that, you know, his parents weren't the biggest fan of the neighbor coming and knocking on the door all pissed off that we had been ding-dong ditching. Which is fair, but kind of annoying because it was not my idea. I hadn't come up with it. All right, so as I said, this was sent in to me about a uh, guy who had beef with a dude in his neighborhood way back. Like, he's older now, but this story takes place when he was still riding his bike around the neighborhood on, like, a daily basis. And this particular neighborhood that Matthew grew up in was one of those places where, like, people were just riding their bikes everywhere. There was tons of kids his age in the neighborhood. So as soon as they got home from school, grab your bikes, get outside, start hanging out till, like, the streetlights come on. That type of vibe. And it just so happened that he also lived on, like, the outskirts of town. Not to the point where he lived in the middle of nowhere, like Courage the Cowardly Dog, but to the point where behind their neighborhood was just this huge stretch of desert. And because everybody was riding bikes, eventually they started going out into the desert and building bike jumps, which is, like, a no-brainer. It's really fun if you've never done it. We had this spot a little bit behind my neighborhood growing up where we would go, like, build bike jumps with shovels and whatnot. It's a fantastic time. But they would have to go out a little bit into the desert because they just kind of wanted to have room to build jumps larger and when they went out further there were some like natural hills that they could use to get speed faster and so some of the older kids ended up getting like a shovel a bucket a grate like some of the stuff you would need to build at ramps well and they just kind of left it out by the ramps and because only the people in the neighborhood knew about it it was like there's no reason to steal it because they're gonna find out who did it and on top of that I don't know why you would steal anything from like a community thing where it helps you too. if you go to the bike jump and you use the shovel and you leave it there, then next time you come, there's still a shovel. Like, I, I don't really understand why someone would want to take this shovel. It's a community tool. Like, in the most literal way, everyone is using this tool to do something everyone enjoys. But one day on a Saturday, a big group of them go out to the jump and they're confused because all of the tools are gone. I'm talking about the shovel, the bucket, the grate, everything's been taken. And everybody's pretty pissed off. And they knew it had to have been someone in the neighborhood because those were the only people that knew about the location of the jumps in the first place and so some of the older kids that were like in charge of the jumps for lack of a better word started telling everybody to keep an eye out and let them know if they see anything because they know it has to have been somebody that knew about the location and so Matthew isn't even really trying to look out for it but he's just riding back to his house from the bike jumps in the shovel that was stolen they had spray painted pink like some of the older dudes had just spray painted it pink because it started getting like lost in the dirt sometimes once it got really heavily used and coated with dirt so they had cleaned it off and painted it pink in a way to like make it easier to find out there so it's pretty easy to know if you're looking at the shovel from the bike jump because it's spray painted pink I don't think that's a very common tactic I've never seen a ton of pink shovels everywhere it was something they did for the jump so Matthew is just riding his bike back to his house and it just so happens that there's this kid who was known for going to the bike jumps and his garage door is open and he sees a pink shovel at the edge of the garage door and he's not trying to be a detective or anything but he kind of like rides up to the garage to see if anyone's in there and the kids in the garage and Matthew says hey 
and the kid immediately kind of like reveals himself as being up to something because instead of just saying hey back and acting natural he looks at Matthew looks at the shovel looks at Matthew looks at the shovel like back and forth five or six times you know oh crap like that's the look on his face and then before he can even say anything back the first thing he says to Matthew is oh it's not the shovel from the jumps which we all know it is like it's a pink shovel the other one went missing the odds of you happening to come into like possession of a pink shovel the same time another one went missing very slim to rare like that's not gonna happen slim to none excuse me but on top of it it's weird to just say that preemptively like Matthew hadn't even accused the dude of taking the shovel yet and the first thing he says to him is like oh yeah that's not the shovel that got stolen that's not it and so his like alarm bells start going off you don't have to be spider-man to have spidey senses in this moment and know exactly what's going on and so Matthew just trying to like not make him freak out more says it's okay um no big deal so you just happen to own a pink shovel that looks exactly like the one from the bike jumps. And the kid, thinking that everyone's a moron, is like, yeah, basically, exactly, exactly. You get it. You get it. It's mine. It's my shovel. I wanted it to look like the ones from the jumps because I think it's really cool. So that's why I did that. And Matthew just takes a little look around the garage. He's not trying to be a detective, but none of this stuff is even hidden. And as he's looking around, he sees the bucket, the grate, everything that was taken from the jump. And it's really obvious that this was the kid that had gone and taken everything. And Matthew does not want to be insanely involved. He doesn't want to, like, be the starter of some witch hunt or anything. So he just tells the guy... Just go put it back. Everyone is looking for you right now. You're going to get caught. Just go put it back, dude. No big deal. Like, I'm not going to say anything. If it gets put back, they'll stop looking. But you're 100% going to get in trouble for this. I don't know why you took it. But, like, go, and if you don't put it back within the next two days, then I'm going to tell. He wanted to give him a chance, you know? Like, just go put it back. Don't do it again. I'll give you two days. And honestly, that was already being nice. I, I don't know what I would do in the situation, but even giving the guy a chance to go put it back so that way the entire neighborhood doesn't hate him like that was a nice thing to do on Matthew's part so he rides his bike away to go back to his house and is just thinking to himself like I hope he puts it back because I don't really want to have to tell on the dude in two days but whatever he gets home and he's not going to be home for a while he just needed some water so he had biked back to his house to grab some and then was going to like bike over to another one of his friend's houses so he just like leans his bike against the garage door because there was usually no issue nothing had ever been like sketchy about it before he was going to be in and out just grab the water come back outside it was supposed to be a very simple process so he goes in grabs the water and by the time he comes back outside the hamburglar himself straight from the clutches of McDonald's must have shown up and stolen his bike dude just really wanted to get his aerobics on just finessed Matthew's bike from him and immediately he starts being confused and is like did I put it somewhere else I always park my bike right here so he starts looking around and just happens to look down the road and what he sees is someone on a bike that looks exactly like like his pedaling furiously down the road and he's like someone stole my bike and just by the way the guy's riding his bike he immediately knows that it's the same dude that he had just confronted about stealing all the tools for the bike jumps and he really can't believe that the guy like followed his followed him home excuse me and stole his bike like dude I just told you I'm not gonna snitch on you for two days if you just go put the stuff back and you're gonna follow me home and steal my bike now I've gotta snitch on you I don't even think you can call it snitching at that point Point, right like if you tell someone look you got to figure it out dude and then they follow you home and rob you then like all right you figured it out you figured out that you're an idiot and I'm about to tell on you I also just want to know his logic
logic. All right, this guy knows that I stole all this stuff from the bike jumps. Like, he just knows. He saw everything. He said, I have two days to put it back. I'm going to follow him home. Must have been like stalking this dude and steal his bike. The only way that that's going to end up is bad. There's no way that that ends up like benefiting you because you're not going to put the stuff back and then they're going to come look for the shovel and his bike's going to be there. And Matthew was pissed, but not even like very angry at the guy, more just pissed at the situation because the first thing he realized is, all right, well, I'm about to get the entire neighborhood on this dude because I'm going to tell him that he took everything from the bike jumps. And so he goes to these guys that are like more in charge of the bike jumps, the older guys whose tools it was in the first place. And he just tells him straight up, all right, this is the guy that took the shovel. I saw it in the garage. I was going to give him two days to put it back, but he followed me home and stole my bike. So it is what it is. That's who took it. And they're like, all right, thank you. Let's go. So they go over to his house and the garage is still open. You think he would have at the bare minimum, like closed the garage by now. And they walk in there. They see the shovel. They see the bucket. They see the great they say everything from the jumps and then of course Matthew's bike is sitting there too so Matthew runs up grabs his bike and like goes to stand behind everybody else and now the kid who stole everything stands up and he's like it's not what it looks like it's not what it looks like and the older kids are like well it looks like you stole everything from the bike jumps so unless you can explain how everything ended up in your garage and on top of it you stole Matthew's bike and it's in your garage then I think we know what happened it is what it looks like and he starts trying to blame Matthew saying that Matthew stole everything and is trying to frame him because Matthew doesn't want to get in trouble. And thankfully, everybody else was like aware that this guy was going to say anything to get out of it. So they start asking him. So let me get this straight. Matthew let you steal his bike so that way he could frame you for taking the shovel that he keeps in your garage. And the guy was like, yes, exactly, exactly. And they just straight up told him that that made absolutely no sense. Why would you purposely get your bike stolen? Unless Matthew is some next level James Bond evil genius who did this entire thing to like get this guy blamed for it. Why would he do that? And at that point, you're going to lose anyways. Like if this guy's playing interdimensional chess and you're playing checkers, it's not like you're going to outsmart him in the first place. And no one's buying any of his excuses. And finally, some of the dudes that had like bought the tools in the first place just said don't come to the bike jumps anymore like you're not welcome there you're clearly not taking this seriously you clearly don't care about what happened so just don't come and he starts trying to like yell at them saying that he's still gonna go there because it's a public place and they can't stop him which is the truth like technically there's nothing that they could do to prevent him from going into the desert but instead of bowing down to him they just said then we'll move it and we'll tell everyone not to tell you where it is so there's that and he kind of realized that they were being serious. So he said, fine, fine. Like, I won't go. I don't need your stupid bike jumps anyways. It doesn't mean anything to me. And they said, all right. And the last thing they said before they left, everybody, they didn't beat him up or anything. They just were like, you really ruined this for everybody because now we can't leave the tools there. So way to go, man. Like, that just really sucks. And in the weirdest way, it looked like that crushed him way more. It was almost like he wanted them to be pissed off so he could just be in his own little world. See, they're all against me. But the fact that they just kind of told him, like, man, that just really sucked. Like, you just really suck for that. Really tore him down even more, dude. And then after that, he realized that they were super serious because a couple times he would show up to the bike jumps to hang out and everyone would just leave. Like, no one wanted to hang out with the dude. And he would apologize, but it was always a apology with a 
butt after. You know, I'm really sorry for blank butt. And that's just not an apology. I hate when people do that, man. Like, I'm not saying everyone should expect to be perfect. You're always going to make mistakes. I think just stealing tools from a place where there's no reason to steal the tools is a weird one. But I don't know. You can learn your lesson, right? I feel like most things you can learn your lesson from. But the fact that even after time, he was trying to get back to the bike jumps. Hey, I'm really sorry for stealing everything, but it wasn't secured. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I didn't realize that it was cool to just steal stuff if they didn't bolt it down. Hey, man, I'm sorry for stealing your car, but I hotwired it. You should have prevented me from doing that. What really got him, like, not back in with everybody in terms of being best friends, but allowed him to just come hang out at the bike jumps again was eventually he bought a much nicer shovel, like a, a fiberglass shovel with a much lighter handle that made things better, and he gifted it to the bike jump and said, just leave it there, and if anyone takes it, then they take it. And after that, they were like, all right, you can hang out at the bike jump again, just because they figured he had probably learned his lesson by that point. But yeah, I don't know the dude's deal. He was like, I'm just gonna steal everything today. Straight up kleptomaniac level stuff. And uh, that's the first story that I got for y'all today. Don't worry, there's more. No more short videos around here, ladies and gents. But if you enjoyed the first one, go ahead and smack that like button for me. Before we get into the next video, though, on screen now is a gift card code. I give one of these away in every video. Uh, just to say thank you to you guys for subscribing, turning on notifications. So if you haven't already, you should. If you already do that, you're a legend. And on that note, I'll shut up and get back to the video. Thanks. All right, so this next one is just straight up crazy neighbor behavior. There was this guy who lived next to this guy's house, right? And he lived by himself. And for whatever reason, he was just a very angry man. Everything pissed him off. There was always something that he could yell at everybody else for. Just one of those guys which absolutely suck to live near. And one day, for whatever whatever reason, he never used his front yard, but this particular day, he brought out, like, an absolutely massive speaker and just started blasting music. And it was the middle of the day, so no one really said anything. He was playing some, like, weird country screamo fusion, which does not sound like a good blend of genres. But he kept playing it well into the night, and at around like 9.30 p.m., not the person who sent this to me, but another one of the neighbors, goes outside, and this particular guy had like kids, so I'm sure they're trying to sleep and they can't because someone's blasting country screamo outside. And he walks over to the guy and he's like, listen dude, everyone's trying to sleep, we've let you play the music all day with no issue, is there any way that you can just turn it down? And he only knows all this because like the neighbor who went to confront the guy told everyone about it after, and immediately the guy blasting the music gets super defensive off rip which I always love when the person who's just clearly in the wrong gets super defensive if you're blasting music so loud at 11 p.m. in a neighborhood that people can't sleep you are in the wrong like it doesn't matter what the music is why you're playing it that's annoying everyone else has got to go to work in the morning and you're preventing them from getting sleep but he starts going off on this guy being like this is America I can do what I want Freedom tells me that I can play music as loud as I can for as long as I can. Which is not how the law works. There's actually lots of laws like noise ordinances and a lot of things about like quiet hours in certain places. So this guy just doesn't know what he's talking about. But the guy who came over to nicely ask him to turn it off is now pissed off and he's like, turn it off or I'm gonna turn it off for you. And the guy blasting the country screamo music, I'm gonna assume he looked the way that like Mountain Dew smells, you know? I think that's probably a pretty like on point description just keeps being like no I'm gonna listen to my screamo country as loud as I want as late as I want and finally the guy who had come over to ask him to turn it down 
reaches over and just unplugs the speaker. Greatest idea in the world to start grabbing a very angry person's stuff? Maybe not, but at the same time, this guy probably deserves to have his speaker unplugged. Like, what else are you gonna do in this situation if the person's just being blatantly, insanely unreasonable? And so he, like, reaches back to hit him, and the guy says, if you hit me, I'm gonna call the cops, and you're gonna get in trouble for the noise and the music and hitting me. And the guy's like, fine, I won't hit you. And he goes into the house, and this guy starts going back to his house to go inside. And he hears the front door fly open on the other guy's behalf, like the ramp of uh, him coming back out. And he turns around, and now Country Music Boy is coming over to his house with a baseball bat. And he doesn't know what this guy's about to do with the baseball bat, but he doesn't want to stick around and find out. So he yells to stay away, and he goes inside. And he pulls up his phone, because he's got, like, security cameras that kind of look out over the driveway. I think everybody knows that angle that I'm talking about. Like, if your house has a security camera, it's the angle. And the guy realizing that he's gone inside walks up to the dude's car takes the baseball bat and just smacks the rear view mirrors off of his car like a straight up over the top beheading level move just boom smacks it off the car and so he comes back outside not a good idea if someone's attacking your car with a baseball bat in my opinion at that point probably wait and contact somebody but he walks back out and says, now you gotta pay for it. And he's like, I'm not gonna pay for anything, you're an idiot. And the guy once again mentions the cops. Like, I'm gonna call the cops, now you're attacking my car. And the guy immediately drops the baseball bat and is like, no, 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 don't do that. I'll call my mom, I'll call my mom. And he's like, screw calling your mom, man. You just beat my car with a baseball bat. And he's like, just let me call my mom. So he calls his mom and he's like, she's on the way. And for whatever reason, this guy's like, all right, let's wait and see what happens here. And this car pulls up at like 11.45 at night. This lady jumps out, dressed to the nines, looking very classy, the exact opposite of her son, walks up to the guy and is like, are you the neighbor that my son attacked with the baseball bat? And he says yes, and she's like, I'm sorry about my son. He'll grow up one day and hands him $1,000 for the damages. And the guy's like, what do you mean he'll grow up one day? How old is your son? And the mom looks at him and like unashamedly goes, 39, but he's got room to grow. 39 and he's got room to grow? At 39, he's got anger issues that he has to take out on his neighbor's cars with a baseball bat? I think you need to get your kid out of the house by himself and into somewhere where they can help him figure that out. But whatever, after that, she just gets back in the car and drives away. And at the same time, I guess if he's 39, is it really, like, are you still parenting at that point or are you just kind of in damage control mode? If it's this much of a disaster and he's 40, I don't really know what the turnaround ratio is. The guy was super confused confused though goes back inside and after that Mr. Country Music Boy just completely ignored him never made eye contact just didn't play music anymore it was like that was his lesson and on top of that this guy who had had his car attacked went and told everybody in the neighborhood so everyone was kind of way more guarded around baseball bat guy and I think he kind of realized that like it was best to just keep laying low rather than creating problems because now he had a reputation for just smacking cars with baseball bats very not thought out situation either. Obviously, if you're blasting music at like 11 at night in a neighborhood, people are going to come get mad at you and ask you to turn it off. I don't really know what he expected to happen. For whatever reason, I feel like ever since 2020, there's just more people that go around like looking for trouble, you know? I feel like that's this is one of those situations. He wanted someone to get pissed off because he wanted to smack a car with a baseball bat. Like, that is the vibe of how all this went down. Alright, this next one is very entertaining as well. This person who sent this into me works at a game store like a video game store, but it's not a chain, it's not a large one, it's more of like a mom and pop situation. And this guy comes in and immediately starts acting like very entitled, very, I'm smarter than everyone,
everyone in the room. But he's just saying things that are factually wrong. Like he's using technological buzzwords to explain why the new consoles suck. And the person who sent this into me is a PC gamer. Like they're not the type of person that's gonna sit there and pretend that consoles are the same thing, but there's a reason consoles exist. Not everyone wants to pay for a gaming PC. Not everyone can afford a gaming PC. Not everyone's that into gaming. Maybe some people just wanna plug something in and play a video game. They don't wanna deal with the rest of it. But he's kind of bashing on everything, talking about how like PC gaming is so much better. And then he turns to the guy and asks if they sell PC parts. And it's a pretty small store and there's no PC parts out, so it should have been obvious. But he tells the guy like, nope, we don't sell anything like that. I'm sorry. And he starts going off on this worker about how the company is idiotic and he's an idiot for not selling PC parts because it's the future of gaming and everyone should be a PC gamer. And he's like not trying to interrupt him and call him a moron because it is a customer. He doesn't know if he's going to buy something or not. But he's also thinking to himself like this place has been in business for a long time doing things this way. It's not that it can't improve. They're just not in an area where people are walking in wanting to spend multiple thousands dollars on like gaming PCs. Most of the money the store makes comes from used game sales. That's what they make their bread and butter on. But this guy's going off about how they're idiots for not selling expensive PC parts. And he gets to the end of his rant and he's like, and what do you have to say about that? And he looks at the guy and just says, okay, bro, because he doesn't know what else to say. He just wants this guy to get out. He's not here to like debate whether or not the store should have PC parts. He's here to sell video games and get paid. It's not his store. He doesn't own it. It'd be like if you worked at a grocery store and someone walks up to you and starts explaining the logistics of how the bananas are displayed. And you're like, I don't care. I get paid by the hour. I have no control over this. If it upsets you that much, write a strongly worded letter or something. And then he starts going on about how the word bro makes him know that he's dealing with someone who's an idiot because only uneducated people use the word bro. I feel like that may have been the case way back in the day, not even the case. Like, I feel like old people used to think that way. You guys get what I'm saying. Like, I could understand that attitude in the 50s, maybe. Not even. It's still stupid. I'm not saying it was right, but that's the type of time you would have expected it. But I could never imagine looking at someone in the year 2022 and being like, did you just say bro? It's just such a common word in our language now, I don't even think you can really get mad at someone for saying it. And so he's on this rant about how the word bro is stupid and anyone who uses the word bro is a bit of an idiot. And he gets to the end and once again goes, and what do you think about that? And the worker looks at the guy and says, okay, bro, once again. And at that point, he's turning beet red, almost like a literal tomato. And he's just seething. Like you can see the anger. The steam's about to start pouring out of his ears. I will never shop here again. You've lost a customer. I love video games. I would have spent a lot of money here and he cuts him off before he can get into that other rant and he goes hey man I thought you played PC we don't sell PC stuff so you wouldn't have been able to spend a lot of money here have a good day though and the guy's taken aback that he didn't let him like get to the end of his evil villain speech and he starts trying to talk again and the employee cuts him off and goes bro I don't care and the guy's like I'm leaving but I will be leaving a negative review based on this experience and he was like all right man go for it feel free my name and he told the guy his name and said mention it in the review and sure enough he did not leave a review I wonder if he got in the car and was like oh yep I was the idiot there who made things very uncomfortable but he did leave after that I don't know why people go to stores and start trying to argue with the employees that have nothing to do with how the store is operated like they start trying to barter with the guy at Walmart like oh yeah he's in charge of the price of cereal here 
Either way, it was a very like weird experience. And that doesn't happen a lot. Working at a game store, he's like 99% of the customers, super chill, just want to talk about video games. But every now and then someone wants to come in and have like a philosophical debate about which console's better. And he's like, I don't care, man, just buy one. So this next one is funny. Um, so the guy who sent this in to me works at a marketing firm and he doesn't have some like super insane glamorous job. He really likes it though and he has fun. He just works the front desk and like there's nothing wrong with that, right? The thing is whenever there's a very angry customer that comes in, he's usually the first line of defense if that makes sense. Like all the anger usually gets directed at this guy. And this older man comes in one day and it just so happened that in this like building they're next to a law office and he comes in looking pissed and he's like, I'm late for my appointment with my attorney. And he tells him, hey, we're not a law firm. I think you're looking for the place next door. And the old man doesn't even look up to make eye contact with him when he's trying to talk to him. He is just going off about how he's been here dozens of times and he doesn't need to be condescended to by some lowly front desk agent. Like, dude, what are you going after this guy's throat for for no reason? Not to mention, you kind of need a front desk agent. Like, if you're going to have some huge firm, you need someone to do that job. I don't know why you're coming for his throat if he's the guy that can help you get to your appointment but whatever he starts going off about how like this front desk agent's lying to him to deceive him to make him late for his appointment so he can get charged a late fee and the guy working the front desk is like what are you talking about dude you just walked in you're coming in hot you're pissed off you're not in a law firm i don't know why you keep saying that i know this is a law firm i've been here dozens of times you think i don't know where my lawyer's office is and he finally like yells at the guy what office are you looking for and the old man angrily is like, I'm looking for blank and blank. You know how the law firms do blah, 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 and blah, 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 usually for their name. It's like the most boring naming system ever. Seriously, it's the least creative thing to do. Just put your last names together and put and in the middle. Not like superhero awesome man law. I'm not saying that's a great name, but it's definitely a step up than like Johnson and the poop head, like whatever the other dude's last name is. And in front of this guy's desk was like this huge display with the marketing company's logo. And he's like, do you see that? Does it say their names there? And the old man finally realizes that he's in the wrong building. And if I was the old man in this situation, my embarrassment would be so strong that I would probably like just collapse from the cringe I've induced on myself and literally become a black hole. But he starts getting more angry at the front desk guy now for being like, well, why did it take you so long to explain that to me? Dude, he was trying to tell you, but you're screaming over him so loudly that there's no opportunity for him to actually tell you and even then if you would have listened for a second he kept saying you're in the wrong location but the old man storms out all pissed off but before he leaves he's like you're lucky if you don't hear from my lawyer for this incident if i get charged a late fee then i'm coming to charge you and he storms out and about half an hour later he sees him like angrily walk by the door again and out and then he sees one of the lawyers from the office next door walk in and he's like hey i just wanted to let you know that that guy is really mad and when i asked him what happened and he explained we told him that like oh it's just not our office and he's genuinely looking into like suing you guys and the guy at the front desk is like for what and the lawyer says that's what we told him there's nothing to sue you guys for but in his mind somehow there's like some dots to connect where he can sue you guys for what happened imagine being that entitled bro you're like someone didn't have the ability to scream over me at me to make me understand my mistake so now therefore i'm going to sue him i guess his argument
statement to the lawyers was that his time is really valuable as a business owner. So the fact that they wasted his time, he should be compensated for it. You don't get compensated because you're wrong. Like that's just not how it works. Maybe look at the door before you walk in. Look at the desk. I don't know, literally anything that you could have done to prevent this. And even then, bro, like not being embarrassed, not being embarrassed after that, you're screaming at somebody for you being in the wrong office. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to sue them because they messed up somehow. All right, Mr. Entitled Boy. And the last one I've got for you guys today. So the person who sent this in to me was at a public library, right? They were going to get this book. It was like the only place that they could find it. It was for a class thing. They didn't want to buy it. So they're at the library and it like happened to be in the section where the desktops are. And obviously there was a bunch of older people using the desktops. I feel like those are the people that use library computers. And so one of the older guys who's using the desktop stands up and loudly just yells, my girlfriend was scamming me. And even if he didn't yell it super loud, you're in a library. So everything else is insanely quiet. You don't have to be screaming for everyone to hear exactly what you're saying. And the computer aid librarian person goes over to talk to the old man and they're like, wait, what happened? And he's not screaming, but because the library is so quiet, everyone can hear what he's saying. And he starts explaining to the librarian that for the past few months, He's been dating this supermodel from overseas and they've gotten really close and they've fallen in love and she was going to come over and they were going to get married. But when she went to leave, her country arrested her and it was going to cost $50,000 for her to get bail to come to America to marry him. And of course, because he was so madly in love, he sent the money. And obviously, I feel horrible for the guy. Like, I, I don't want anyone to lose their life savings. It's awful for anyone to get scammed. But in the year 2022, are we really still falling for this stuff, man? And so the librarian is like, wow, that's awful. You probably want to contact the police. And he's like, well, no, can't you just reverse it? And he's just looking at the librarian, expecting them to do something. And the librarian is like, you want me to reverse a wire transfer? And he's like, yeah, just like hit the back button. And he has to explain to this guy that that's not really how this works. And odds are that his girlfriend actually never existed in the first place. And it was just someone somebody had made up to try to get money from him. And when he starts trying to explain that to the guy, the guy just goes full like uh, ostrich mode and puts his head in the sand and is like, nope, no way. That did not happen. I know I was dating a supermodel from overseas. I know that her government trapped her for 50 grand. I just don't know why she won't respond to me now and has blocked me on everything. Well, yeah, probably because it's all a scam. But he starts trying to delude himself into thinking that like, no, she's probably just arrested somewhere. There's no way she would scam me. He's the guy who yelled out she's scamming me in the first place. So it's like his brain registered it. But then once it started registering it, it was like, no, we're not going to admit this to ourselves. We're going to go into full denial mode. So whatever. He's kind of freaking out saying that like she didn't scam him and uh, she's definitely still in trouble. So he needs to either get the money back so he can fly over there and help himself or he's going to be really mad at the librarian and the librarian just has to tell this guy like there's literally nothing I can do I cannot do anything if you wire transferred somebody money like there's not much that the librarian can do they're not a fraud protection expert and the guy is like you have all these books around and you don't know how to help me no I don't think there's a book in the library called like how to undo wire transfers and if you would have read a couple books you probably would have realized that this was a scam I feel bad for the guy but like this is the most scammy scam of all scams but uh, the person who sent this in to me didn't spend a whole lot more time there. They ended up splitting pretty quickly after that. So they didn't get the rest of the tea. But I, I just can't believe that in the year 2022, people have not heard of internet scams. They make like PSAs for them, bro. Come on. Anyways, guys, I think that's going to do it for the video. Hopefully you enjoyed. This one was over 30 minutes. So if you appreciate that, be sure to press the like button.
like button. Let me know what you thought in the comments section down below. If you don't know what to comment, go ahead and comment Christmas. If you're hyped for the 12 days of scrubs, I'd appreciate it. And if you like listening to the story times, but you'd rather listen offline, whatever floats your boat, I do post these as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can check out the playlist that I have on the channel if you want to like catch up, you haven't seen the rest of the videos. But uh, yeah, on that note, guys, I think that'll really do it. Don't get anyone pregnant if you do make sure they're hot. And I'll see you guys next time. I'm out. Peace.